Welcome to episode 24 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our first batch of games from issue 12 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with. And we were bored by Back to the Future, suffered gangrene with Jerry the Germ, and felt the heavy hand of capitalism on our back in Comic Bakery. In episode 24, which covers the cold and rather wet month of April 86, we're going to be concluding our look at the games from that issue, along with what was going on at the cinema and on TV that month. Graham, tell us exactly what we have to look forward to in this episode. In this deep-filled meat pie of an episode, we strap on a jetpack and go caving with Phantoms of the Asteroid. We debate the relative merits of baguette-wielding gnomes with Time Tunnel and pull off 30 kung fu moves a second with Yao Kung Fu. The barely pronounceable non terraqueous pops in to baffle our brains while we wait ages to see who is playing who in FA Cup football and debate the Gerontiside potential of the mood-hoovering adventures of Basil and Bond. Luckily for us, the Master of Magic appears from around a corner and happily shines a light right in Basil and Bond's eyes. He's an excitable young chap, that Master of Magic, but that better be a banana in his pocket. Awesome! Let's move things along, though, and take a look at our first game, which is Phantoms of the asteroid. Graham, what's Phantoms of the Asteroid all about? The Earth is being menaced by an asteroid impact. <laughs> Prepare yourself. <laughs> I felt like that earlier on when I went to the toilet. <laughs> I felt that like, like... <laughs> felt like that two minutes ago after cleaning up my dog's enormous gargantuan turd. Anyway, <laughs> things we do between podcasts. So the Earth is being menaced by an imminent asteroid. Think deep impact kind of the same kind of thing uh, to prevent mm. that you are plunged into the depths of the asteroid you've got to gather up the uranium cubes i think they are or you've got to gather up the i forget how many there is now a certain number of cubes um, <sighs> and then escape escape out of the asteroid before it explodes so it's thereby saving the earth so the phantom of the asteroid is essentially a side-scrolling maze game you've got a jetpack um you've got fuel deposits to pick up you've got to sort of go around the labyrinth picking up trying to find the various uranium cubes felt a little bit the sort of the premise of it feels oddly familiar because it's the same as millions of other games of this type <laughs> So, and the numerous enemies, the enemies are called phantoms, so hence the phantoms of the asteroid part. And you've got a sort of an energy level, which you've got to sort of make sure that you don't deplete. There's traps and insta-kills in this game. I don't like insta-kills in games myself, but there are some of those. And you've only got a single life to complete the game, therefore rendering this game impossible. But there you go. So, <laughs> uh, the main goal is to find those things. And should you find them all, you've got, I think you've got a time limit to escape. I never got that far, but I believe there's a time limit to get out before it's all over. No one, no one ever gets no that one's far ever gonna get this. this. So, so, so this is one 99 that's a lot of game description for 199 mm. 
And my feeling was this. Um, this is a big map, lots of things to do, and it's the usual stuff of this type. Uh, for the cheap money, uh, one ninety nine, this isn't bad. Um, this isn't mm-hmm. a bad version. It, I've, it, my version of this felt a little bit slow, and I don't know if that's an error in emulation or whether it is just running a little bit slow, but I never played it on the original Commodore 64, so I couldn't tell you. I think it is a slow game. So it's, it felt slow, which me- which hindered its kind of franticness because the game music makes it feel more frantic well, than it is. I, I, but... think you're sp- I think it's supposed to be you're in zero G, aren't you? So. Oh, right. So, But it still felt a little bit like the music was outpacing the... I mean, it's yeah, good music. Probably. It's a Rob- another Rob Hubbard soundtracks. Good Rob Hubbard. Not bad. Not lo- one of his longest pieces. Not one of his greatest. But it, it's quite good for this game. Mm-hmm. So, But this felt a bit like we'd played a game similar to this, which I think was Rocket Roger. So yes. Rocket Roger is very similar to this, although this was 199, and I don't remember Rocket Roger being 199. So I suppose the question is, is it playable? Yes. Is it enjoyable if you like these kind of games? For one ninety nine though, it won't bad value for money for what you get. You get a lot of game for your money here. Um, it's mm-hmm. okay. It's about it's above average for this type of game. I just thought that you know what is it me? But these super difficult games don't. I don't last long on them. One because I don't play them well because I'm old, too old to get the reflexes needed to be able to twitch speed my way out. It's not that this one relies on that. But I just found this game really, really, really overly hard, and um, I find that sort of idea a bit frustrating so i found that it has that classic the usual level designs the usual stuff a big map but near impossibility if that's your bag you're going to dig phantoms of the asteroid and for 199 and at 73 percent in zap it's not a bad old game for the money i played it for a bit i quite like the music it's okay yeah, I didn't hate it, that's for sure. Yeah, I've played a lot worse than this, but I think I've played it before in like a million other games, so the Hubbard soundtrack really was the swinger here for me. But what about you? Yeah, I think I'm pretty much on the same page. It's um, it's it's yeah, it's, it's not just side scrolling, it's vertical, it's a th- sort of 360 degree yeah. scrolling, so you can move up and down. And that's quite nice that it's uh, it moves away from that flick screen nonsense, because to me, this felt like somewhere in the middle of Rocket Roger and that Hero of the Golden Talisman. So it has that sort of size and look and a bit of a feel of the whole Hero of the Golden Talisman and its greyness. But obviously it plays more like Rocket Roger because it's thrust-like. You know, you have a thruster that you used to need to balance yourself and move yourself along and all that. So it's like that. I prefer this to Rocket Roger for a few reasons. I don't die when I land on an incline. Um, that's always a bonus. Um, yep. Rocket Roger was the most explosive man in history and I'm not yep. the title music is great it is a really good Rob Hubbard piece I really do like yeah. the piece yes. in this I do yeah I, like I said I, it does feel a bit slow it does take ages to turn but I don't know if they're trying to I'm going to give them the bit, benefit of the doubt that it's supposed to be in zero G so it feels you know a bit of weight and inertia and heft to it mm. although I did notice that the you know uh, it's a bit simple to look at and, and I thought that the spacesuit seemed a bit of a tight fit um, it looks like he fills that spacesuit quite quite amply uh, our, our hero who's gone up to who's killed all the phantoms i was wondering if this was um bruce willis in asteroid not asteroid armageddon <laughs> but a later bruce willis further down his career line yeah. um so he's a bit when he's become a bit more rotund and so he's now you know that's basically what he's got to strap on is a bit ooh, it's a bit of a tight fit around the chest yeah that's what i was thinking here so maybe that's what they were aiming for you know back in 1986 probably not but you never know it's better than both as i said better than both golden Towns and rocket roger the death tune is awful yeah, not great. And one. it takes so long, and you can't skip it. it does, yeah. <laughs> when I first died, I was like, "All right, press fire button, press fire button, press, press." God, oh god, damn it! This goes on forever. Start again. Think, okay, do those spikes? Are oh, the spikes kill me? Okay, death tune. It is so annoying because I don't like games that mix 
there's another game we'll play in a bit. We'll come to it a bit later on in this episode. It does the same thing. I don't like games that mix their damage. I don't know what the word is, sort of thing, but either have me having energy and taking damage and an energy bar depletes, <laughs> or have or have one hit kills but give me lives. Yeah. Don't mix them. Yeah. Don't have an energy bar that will deplete if like the phantoms hit me, but if I hit a spike, I'm instantly dead and it's game over. Yeah. 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 That annoys the crap out of me. It really does bug bug me because it's it seems a mix of two styles that don't fit together. I've either got health, and so if if I hit something that's gonna you know a spike, oh that does damage. All right, I know not to hit it, but that that teaches the player don't hit the spikes. You've you've been penalised. Don't hit them, but it's not punishing them punitively. This punishes you punitively, and then it's game over. If you're gonna hit instant death me, as like you said, give me some lives. Uh, so so to make me learn. Otherwise, can you imagine what would happen if you were like ninety percent of the way through this and you hit a spike imagine how annoyed you would feel oh god yeah it'd be it, you'd be just yeah, apoplectic with rage mm. you, you know so that's what that's the thing that dragged this down for me i think 73 percent with the price yeah there's a lot of game here and if you can get around those things it, it's the also you know going through those laser beam gateway doors whatever instant death oh for god's sake just bounce me out of them or something or damage me with a bit of energy you know, penalise me, but don't destroy me. It's annoying. But yeah, 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 yeah. I think if you, if you like these hunt around, you know, I didn't know what the blue thing was at first until I realised it was an, like that little worm popping up until it refills your oxygen. You know, these things that are in the game are quite nice. There's some quite nice system, some systems on go because mm. yeah, you've got energy. What have you got? Energy, oxygen, and fuel, is it? Yeah, that's right. So you've got to refill them and you've got to find the energy points. So you'll find one, so then progression, you know, you'll push on a bit, but you might need to then head back and refill yeah, yeah. up on something, on one or the other. But having three of them and having all different things in different parts of the caves, oh, that's a proper balancing act. This is a tough old game, but I think, like you said, for two quid, you're going to cut it a bit of slack and I think there's a lot of game here it does control well. It's a bit slow. The phantoms are a bit rubbish. The, the, those sprites seem weirdly out of place. Yeah, that's true. They do. They don't. They don't seem like phantoms to me. They're more like googly-eyed yeah, googlies. Yeah. I don't know what you, I don't know what you call them, but they googlies don't look like good. phantoms. No, I'm not sure what you call them. It's it's okay. It's you know I can't get angry about it, but if they sorted out that death mechanic, this would be a much much better game. Mm. Much. It's that that puts you off because yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't entice you to keep coming back to it. No, it doesn't. It's annoying. Um, but, you know, for two quid, they're a hell of a lot worse out there. Even for eight quid, they're a lot worse. Mm-hmm. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. We'll be playing Jerry uh, uh, Term for much more money. Oh, God, yeah. What was that, what was that eight quid? Yes. Four, uh, remember, that's four kickstarts on our kickstart ratio. It is four kickstarts, which is... And it's certainly not... <sighs> Way more than four times worse. Oh, so, it's awful, wasn't it? Awful. So yeah, yeah, for two for two quid, I think you could do a you do a lot worse than this. Yeah. So I think if you and it's better, like I said, it's better than Rocket Roger. And if you like that kind, this kind of gravitar thrust style control system in yeah, it, that I quite like inner, the inner, inertia based. Mm. Yeah, it feels nice. Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I can't get angry about it. I can't get thinking. Just wish it had a better death system. You got anything else to say? No, no, no. I, I, I agree with everything you've said. Um, I think it's, again, it's saving grace is its soundtrack. Yeah. In the sense that it's it's the one thing that makes it just, it's, it's the thing that elevates it a little bit above the game of this type. So it does make it a little bit better. But you're right. That death mechanic is is kind of the, it's kind of what drove me out of this game. And it's a game that I could have got into had it not been for that. So shame. Yeah. Great shame. Yeah. It is. All right. So, Phantom of the Asteroids, if you can stomach that death mechanic or maybe just put on Infinite Lives or something, probably enjoy it. Okay, up next. What we got next? Let's have a look. We have, well, this one. This is... (laughs) There's such an eclectic bunch of games this month. All right. 
Time tunnel. Okay. You are a time-traveling gnome. <laughs> you are. <laughs> like a proper gnome. Like a yeah. real gnome. Like a, a gnome, gnome from your garden. Like a gnome. You are a gnome gnome. You have a hat and everything. You're a gnome in a stately home. <laughs> yeah, a gnome in a stately home. <laughs> and you can fire lightning bolts at 45-degree angles up and down, uh, left or right. But not up and not side side. Uh, just at 45-degree angles. They're only 45 degrees. Okay. So... What the hell is Time Tunnel? Well, Time Tunnel is a game where you play a gnome and you have to solve... You can travel through time from your stately home to different parts of time. You can go very far into the future. You can go very far into the past and all th- and th- things in between. You have a f- series of flick screens where you go through... Where you can open doors, but you can only go through doors that are at the top of the screen. Oh, don't get you me started on you- that annoying thing. <laughs> You can't go back through a door. You came into it. That door happens to now put you in a room to the side. You have to go loop. It's very peculiar. I don't know what. But in some of those levels, you can do that. But not in your stately home. Your stately home has one-way doors. (laughs) One-way doors. (laughs) So the first part of this game sees you wandering your stately home. There's a... You have an ability to store things in a cosmic locker of some description if you hold down your fire button. Um, and it transports you to this cosmic locker where you can drop objects, which then you can use those objects through any time zone. So I presume, I didn't get this far, but I presume as you move back and forth between the time zones, you will pick up objects in other time zones to use yes. in other ones to solve puzzles and so on and so on and so forth. That can, that That is where this game is at. To start off with, if you listen to this and you want to play it, I'll give you the opening. You find a, you find a bit of a log go put that in your fireplace and shoot it that allows you to light a torch which then does something which allows you to get the second part of your teleporter up and running you can then teleport from space you've got two doors in the second room where one of them leads you to a text (laughs) a text bit of text where you can press the fire button to change which year you want to travel to you've got i think it's about eight is there eight about eight or nine something like that about six seven eight yeah six seven eight yeah it's about eight and they range, they range from very, very far back in the past, uh, 9,600 BC to, I think, 3,456 in the future. I don't, I don't know. To 9999, the year 999. Oh, in the future. Can you yeah. go all the way forward to that? Yeah, I never went to that one. Yeah, yeah. And then you go to your time, time machine and you travel there. The weirdest thing about one of the one of the many, actually not the weirdest thing, one of the many weird things about this, apart from being a gnome that fires lightning bolts, um, is the, the variety of music in the different zones. <laughs> 9,600 BC has has waltzing Matilda playing, I, I believe. That's what it sounded like to me. Yeah. Ancient Greece has swing low sweet charity. <laughs> 3456, I was confused at first until it went into Yankee Doodle Dandy. Okay, yeah. And I, I never, I don't think I went any other places. I think the only three I went to. But, oh, I did, yeah, so it's just, it's just a weird... It's such a weird game. There's no title screen. The game just starts. And I remember playing this back when this first came out many years ago, 30-odd years ago. And I remember being confused at that then. Um, oh, I, I think I ended up going to Salem as well, 1646 or whatever. Uh, I couldn't tell what the music was there. Um, I ended up shooting a bat there after I'd been to the future. And then there was some glowy glowy thing that appeared. And then that glowing thing reappeared then and transported me back to the future. I was like, what is... You know, at least it was time traveling this. Back to the future could learn a few things from this game. Yeah. Um, I climbed a ladder in 9,600 BC and ended up back in my mansion. There was, do you know what games this reminded me of? There was two in particular. I've said the last two, the previous one, but there was, there was in, in it. It feels like it's in the spirit of Castles of Doctor Creep and Mad Doctor. Yeah, I thought that. Um, 
castles the Doctor Creep in its obtusiveness, sort of thing, a mad doctor in its visual perspective, because it's got a visual perspective of 3D, so you see these rooms in a sort of pseudo 3D effect. You don't get any smaller as you walk into the back, but that's what it is. It's lo-fi puzzle obscurity, and it feels like this is a game where it, it's not... It, it doesn't care. I don't think it cares whether you play it or not. It's like, I am what I am. This is a game. I look like this. There are loads of weird stuff going on. If you're interested in finding this weird stuff, have a go. I'm not going to tell you anything apart from you're a gnome who can shoot lightning bolts. And that's that's kind of what this is. I don't know what else to say about it. It's so strange. It felt it felt like a... I don't, it, it, it's almost like someone designed it and then forgot the bits around the edge. Mm. Like the presentation, like the start screen, like a pause screen, like the bits that kind of explain what the hell this is supposed to be. It's like a game that's 95% finished and then they went, yeah. we need to release it. Oh, I need to do the title screen and the explanation stuff. Like, don't worry, yeah. just go, put it out. People will work it out. And that's what it feels like. Yeah, I do like the fact that you're a gnome, though, and you can shoot lasers. It's always a winner in my book. Laser shooting gnomes are a quite. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm, are, I'm well, a fan. There's not of many that. games. Yeah, there's not many games go <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. Not many games go there. No. What what, what did you make of this? Because it's a strange thing. I thought exactly that. I thought it was a bit weird. It reminds me of the kind of weirdness that we got with that um, monster trivia and some other games that exist in their kind of own crazy logic world. Yeah. Um. So in amongst all of it, there was quite a playable. Uh, adventure i suppose if you if you can rely the blocky looking basic graphics and that really bloody annoying music if you can get <laughs> past that um there is stuff to do in there you've got multiple times it's like you say there's a game in there without a doubt and, it, and if you can go with the logic and just go with it you're probably gonna have a bit of fun going through the various things some of the things look like this some of the things look like this supposed to some of the things not so much so there is a bit of guessing game as to what exactly they are i've spent the first 20 minutes of the game wandering around thinking I picked up a baguette and I realised it was a log. <laughs> um, so I didn't like some of the door logic was crazy but you know what it's just a quirk of this quirky game because it's a quirk, quirky and my chief word for this game was this is really weirdly quirky. Um, mm. There's parts I liked about it I quite like the idea, at least, like you say, at least you did time travel and at least you'd go to different zones and it had different looks and feels and there was different stuff and puzzles in there and you got to get those puzzles solved, find those seven scriptures so you could become king of the gnomes. You know, it had a goal and a mission and a plan. You could explore and do stuff in basic, though it was, you could do those things. It just, I don't know, it just felt a bit, like you say, I think the criticism I would have, playable though it was, is it just felt unfinished. It felt like this needed a bit more work no it felt like they'd released it sort of in beta um, yeah and then you know, all yeah. the detail is going to come later it's like oh we'll fix all that in post don't you worry about it just get it out of there. <laughs> um, let the animators do it <laughs> yeah exactly so I, I think that there's you know what if you take games down to some of their basic core concepts and you said does this game do the things that they set it out to do it might not do it the prettiest way and it might not do it with the most beautiful music but does this game do what it set out and it does you can play a game where you can time travel as a gnome solving puzzles that was their plan clearly and they made that it just lacks the polish and the spit and polish of something that with a bit more elaboration it doesn't i think that means that in my book it doesn't deserve a 9.95 price tag at the time no i think this feels but it felt to me like it was a 199 game and having played 199 games not that long ago prior to this and um, this felt like a very expensive game com compared to the game you were getting for something like phantom of the asteroid which is 199 for what Probs felt bigger and more polished. Mm -hmm. So that's my take on it. Crazy game in crazy world logic, expensive at the time, and it only got 49% in Zap for a reason. And that's because I think they agreed that 
there's some good ideas in there, but some of it implemented badly and just some weird choices about things. But you can live with that, then you might get something from it. But not me. Not me, though. No. <laughs> don't persevere with these cr- games well. <laughs> I, love, I love Krusty. I love Krusty. I don't persevere <laughs> with these games well when they, you know, wh- wh- games where you start um, without any elaboration of ideas of what to do. Uh, it's my doctor. Yeah, and exactly. And again, with, with the same logic applied to that, with the Commodore 64 games, you need a little bit of guidance. And I don't have the instructions. Maybe there was a 900-book instruction, 900-page uh, <laughs> instruction book that came with this. I doubt it, though. It'd probably be a half-a-page um, cassette inlay that just said, start the game and do stuff, figure it out, get on with it. Yeah, it could do, just our time. Do, with the, do with the title screen. Yeah, just something to delineate that you've you know, you've know begun and that something's happening other than just appearing. So. Yeah. But that's you life just, as a gnome, you see. Gnomes don't have choices that we have, you know, they, even that then. True. That is true. They just sit in gardens and uh, look cute with their shorts down, round their showing their asses off. Exactly. We're waving baguettes, thinking that they're uh, the logs. They're waving logs, thinking that baguettes. I can't believe you thought there was a baguette. Well, in this crazy game, I didn't have any other clothes to go by. It made more sense for a gnome to pick up a baguette than it did a log at that moment in time. Uh, That's on, a reflex- fair point. on reflection, though. But then I thought, well, why? I love the the blase part of you know, and it's just time to have a time machine. It's like, oh, well, well, all the good gnomes do, I guess. I why would you want that? For what purpose would he want a time machine and why only those times? But you know what? It's weird world, so weird world. It is. Somebody had an idea, they thought this was, you know, and they went with it and they made this and it to them it makes absolute sense. And like like you said, it works. It, there are the puzzles to solve, the bits to find, the things to sort out. And it doesn't, the good thing it doesn't do, um, it has, every now and again it has an enemy. I mean, I shot a bat in, uh, in Salem but it doesn't pester you. Just lets you get on with it. No. You know, we're a fan. Of, you know, we have said that we're a fan of that. Mm. But there's there's been a fan of that, and then there's you still need some feedback, some somewhere to sort of tell you you're doing the right. And it, there's a bit where I was wandering the ship in thirty four fifty six, and I got out the main door, or I went down, and then there was just a room where you walk forward and you could go left or right, and it just was the same graphical door just same mm. graphical room as i walked for it and i didn't know is this looping but then yeah, i came yeah. downwards and i was i was in a different place with two keys yeah. so i turned the keys and then i could go back and the door suddenly opened i was like oh God, okay yeah i just need i just need a bit of now you solved the puzzle of the mysterious two keys well done i you did guys. i did that's good do you know did you spot that the uh the times you can leap, leap to are really weird and arbitrary <laughs> It's just like, yeah. just, you know, 9,600 BC, 893 BC, 86 BC, then 1692. Nothing in between there. Then 1849. <laughs> and then nothing in the 1900s, the t- in the 90s, just jumps straight away to 3456. <laughs> the gnomes have no interest in times, well, in, I don't know what, you know, what, where we live now. Which Do you see any gnomes around now? Which time zone is he in? Where does he start? Is it must be in what, what is what his own home? Yeah, which one is it out of them? It's it's a, it's a I think it's a place out of time. Okay, okay. I think it exists in a, it exists in the same places. Let's face it, he's he's got a cosmic bunker, but a uh, sort of cosmic closet. Yeah, and time to bake French pastries and baguettes, <laughs> and then so, set them on fire in his in his fireplace. Life of a busy gnome. Life of yeah. a busy gnome. Yeah, I don't mind it. Time traveling meddling. Um, yeah. Oof. It is a weird one. If you, I think if you like those things, if you like Castles of Dr. Creep, you like Mad Doctor, you like that obscure, weird side of the C64 where the games are not typical in that thing, you probably will get into this. You'll like it. But o- but only then. Yeah. <laughs> if you like your more typical platformers or shoot 'em ups or whatever, this probably is not going to float your boat. No, you're not going to get a lot. No. So uh, that's that. That's Time Tunnel. Let's fast forward in time to our next game. 
Which is uh, an arcade conversion. Graham, tell us about Yi'a Kung Fu. So Yi'a Kung Fu is the uh, arcade conversion. Um, there's a, quite an interesting lineage heritage that goes back from that um this is a konami or was, an, was a konami arcade game back in the mm-hmm. mid uh, early 1984-ish 83-84 i think um clearly inspired by the kung fu movies and that were around at the time so there's bits of bruce lee and stuff like that possibly Jack, even jackie chan and stuff like that um the characters that you fight against overall kind of those kind of archetypal characters it's essentially a, it's a it's a fighting fighting game um, and you play a character called Oolong and um, you've got various moves that you can uh, hesitate to use say use but you've got various just before, moves just before you, you can... go on and you know this but I've always thought is that the noise that the invaders make in the Jeff Wayne War of the Worlds well the Oola <laughs> Oolong because I always thought they'd go Oolong and I was thought I was no, always go, thought, go, I thought it was weird it's Oola <laughs> Oh, I thought they said oolong, and I thought it was. A, I've always thought it was a very strange thing that the the protagonist of Ya Kung Fu was named after the Jeff Wayne musical of War of the Worlds. No, they say they say oola, just to... <laughs> very similar to your oolong. Could be his brother, for all we know. Um, okay, uh. so it's an arcade conversion fighting game. You play oolong. You have to work your way through a series of different fighters that all have kind of cunning skills. Or weapons, or both. Um, you've got a number of death-defying moves which you can pull off with the joystick. I hesitate to use the term "pull off" um, in that context, but I would say that the, there is an arrangement of moves around the joystick of which you can attempt, um, and some of them will have impacts, <laughs> and some of them won't. You can fly yeah. around and jump about, and it's an arcade conversion. Now, um, so there are some amazing things about this, and there are some things that are not so great and the problems that it has aren't because of the commodore 64 the problems that this game has are because of the arcade because it's inherited the arcade logic of this game and that was the difficulty and the controls of which you feel mm-hmm. like you have neither so you play oolong and you st- when the when the game starts and it has the commodore 64 version has all the trappings of the arcade it has all the interstitial music it has all the sort of characters the graphics are actually pretty good and um, the sprites are reasonably sized it's super Super quick, super fast. It has all the all the principal components of the game of the arcade game, so it's all there. Um, the problem is that it inherits that problem, which is that the moves just feel like things that happen. That you move the joystick and, and moves just happen, and it doesn't feel like it in a different way to the way the exploding fist. When you wanted to do a certain move, you put the joystick in that position. That move is the move that you did. This one can suddenly flip between sixteen different moves all in the space of two seconds, and it's not always clear that you're doing them or whether you're in control of it. And you can tell that it's hit mm-hmm. the character because it there's a little star when it hits them uh, but sometimes it doesn't hit them and you think it should and the cut and the, cl- the detection of collision between the fighting moves doesn't seem quite there and so it feels like uh-huh. you're winning this game by more or less accident that you win the you win your battle with your comp- opponent by by fluke really and mm-hmm. you can get so far in this game by doing that and it's fun for so long and each time you start the different level you get the great music little interstitial music and you get the look and feel and the introduction it's all there as the trappings of the arcade and that is its problem is that it's trapped in the arcade and doesn't provide any extra control or logic to a game that is essentially just random stuff happening on the screen where you might feel like you're part of it for a bit all of that is elided by the amazing music because it has one of the greatest pieces of music in the Commodore 64 by a mile now yeah Kung Fu mm-hmm. is, 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 is it's a, essentially it's a, a, a really good cover of a Jean-Michel Jarre piece of music mm-hmm. and it's really good 
a really good one. Um, it's a Martin Galway piece. It doesn't suit this game at all. No, this, again, no it it's, it's, it's that comic bakery logic. You know, it, weirdly, all of the music in the game does suit the game because it's all from the arcade. So all of the kind of we use some of those interstitials in our podcast. So the we use all of them ones because they are what they are. They're good little arcade blipverts. They're good, but the main piece is I think eight nine minutes long, maybe even longer. Really elaborate version of a genre piece. I forget which one it is now. It's one of the ones we've mentioned in last week's podcast. It's Magnetic Fields, I yeah, think. I think it's it? Magnetic, magnetic Fields. Field one, yeah, one of those. But it's a real big, doozy, heavyweight version of a Jean-Michel Jappe. It doesn't sit on an arcade game where you're a kung fu fighter trying no. to fight his way through wave after wave of crazy enemies. It simply doesn't live there. But you know what? Just like we said for Comic Bakery, there it is. You know, the game is kind of weak, but that music is amazing. So you could, I think, I don't know really, if you'd have bought this at 895, I think you'd have, it might have lasted a little while. I think there's a two-player option. I can't remember. There may not be. Um, I don't think you'll last very long as Oolong. Um, you'll probably get past Buchu and a few of the others and you might work your way up to the ones where they've got the there's one called Fan and there's ones that throw chains and at you and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and you might you might make it to those by look, not but certainly not by judgment that you'd have got there. Um, but you have got that amazing music. So um I don't like Kung Fu. Yeah, Kung Fu is a game particularly for all the reasons I've stated, but I'll uh, stand by its music because it's all the music in the game and that amazing opening piece. It's just brilliant. And I think it's also another one that had the ocean loader, I guess, or one of the loading things. I could be wrong, but it, I think it did have. It would have done probably, yeah. So, I thought so. Great, great opening music, great opening shots, um, but a game that is kind of just annoying, really, in the end. What about you? Mm. Um, yeah, I think I'm pr- <laughs> yeah, I'm on the same page, I think. Although, I'm going to start this off with, uh, this got 84% in Zap for music. 84. Phantom of the Asteroids got 91. I, That's strange. I, 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 don't, I don't even understand the thinking behind that. They're either not big, you know, either they think like you, it doesn't fit the the game well, I think there is but that. they just oh, but but the comment i think the comment in the magazine is just something like oh decent decent title screen tune or something it's not even really thinking of it. it beggars belief it's one of the best tunes on the machine maybe they didn't <laughs> listen to it all at the time like, because the it's, a, it's a long old piece of music to sit there I and mean, who's going to sit there really at that time when you're, you've got that game excitedly and listen to a nine minute john michelle jar piece <laughs> me no well, yeah, but, <laughs> but the, i'm the weird is, anyway it, it, it's not that you're weird but you know average joe kung fu game isn't going to sit there and go wow they'll just want to get into the game they might never a bit like that sound effects in in scarabaeus they might some people might never have got that far into that music to even hear it yeah maybe anyway yes it's yeah kung fu and it and as you have quite uh, quite correctly pointed out for all it's it's a really let's not let's not beat around the bush this is a really good conversion of the arcade game yeah and as you rightly point out the problems are in the arcade game not in this if they'd have fixed the collision detection in this yeah and and they'd have maybe just fixed you know you do find yourself just doing moves which you didn't think you were doing this would have been ace this would have been really good because it's really like you said it's fast it's responsive dave collier is the uh programmer um and you know he's he's ocean imagine he does loads of stuff for Ocean Imagine. He does. Um, he did Daily Thompsons. He does Arkanoid, Combat School, uh, Green Beret, Hypersports, Roland's Rat Race, Rambo, Target Renegade, Terra Cresta. I mean, the guy's got a CV on him uh, of these great arcade, you know, arcade style conversions. This guy could do it, and the, the music. So he's got this team at Ocean Imagine that are making these games, and you know, he's taking the Kung Fu and put it in 64K. And hats off to him because there's all 11 fighters there. I think there is, which is which is pretty impressive, and they've all got the radio synthesis. 
However, screw pole. <laughs> because that's where I got to. Because pole has that ability to just go, fa, 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 dead. And you're like, ah, fight da, 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 dead. He just catches you and you're dead. And I, I tried going through it about three or four times. Every time I was like, oh, you know what? I remember this being annoying in the day. I was actually quite good at it back in the day. But it, this game, I seem to remember, was if you can get past pole, you can pretty much loop it until you get to pole again. Pole was the nightmare mm. I always found. And that was, I think, probably the same in the arcade game. The hit detection is all over the place. Sometimes you'll kick some and you'll hit them. Sometimes you won't. It, it, it feels too arbitrary. It's such a shame. There's a great, great arcade game here, a great, quick, fast arcade fighter that's unlike anything else because it's really different to something like, yeah, uh, sorry, to uh, Exploding Fist. It's really different to something like Kung Fu Master. This is doing its own thing. It's 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 very. Um, what's the what's the term for sort of Chinese Japanese films where they're on wires and they're jumping around? You know, like your heroes, your um, um, yeah, it's what, what, uh, Japanese you know, you know Chinese I mean? Chinese Kung Fu on wires. <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. Those, you know those kind of monkey type stuff. Um, yeah. You know that, that those kind of things where where the, the action is clearly in those sorts of films where they they'll jump around and they'll be flying about and they're clearly on wires. It's obvious, but they don't care. It's part of their it's part of their mythology. It's part of their representation of of their you know historical legends and things like that. And there's lots of and that feels more like this because the way that Oolong jumps is ridiculous. Um, you know you 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 jump you about, about you know like like a flea. Um, and it make, it puts me in the mind of that, but it just goddamn that collision detection. If someone could come in and fix that in this game, this yeah. would be uh, this would be amazing. Yeah, it really be would better. because it's it's a fast, snappy, great conversion. It's got ace music. The interstitial stuff's brilliant. It all feels good, but you can't have a fighter with bad collision detection. And it's such a shame. No. And, and and that does go back to the original arcade, as you said. That's it. Apparently, the 11 martial arts and masters that are in this are Bushu, Star, Nuncha, Pole, Fiedel, Chain Club, Fan, Sword, Ton Fun, and Blues. There you go. That's the next. Yeah. And by the way, just as an interesting little aside and something I know you'll appreciate, um, mm-hmm. the character of Nuncha is depicted in a yellow gi, yellow karate gi. That is a homage to uh, John Saxon's role as Roper in Enter the Dragon. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> Roper. <Hey>, Roper. <laughs> 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 give us, oh, give us the money, Roper, or we got to break something. <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, he he saved, actually kills somebody in that movie by kicking him really hard in the testicles. So it can be done. Yes, he does. He kills. Um, he it's kills. Probably because they, probably because they dipped him in his in his yogurt. Exactly. He kills Bolo. That's who he kills. Ironically, by kicking him in his bolos. But there you go. <laughs> Twin bolos. <laughs> he kicks, kicks him right real hard in the bolos. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he utters a bollow. He does. He just goes. He just bolo, almost, he bollows. He bollows in pain. He, he falls on the floor and passes away peacefully. It's almost like sleep, really. <laughs> and that, which is, we've all been there. We've all been kicked in the bollows and felt that pain. So <laughs> we just go, go to sleep for a little while. And I'm just gonna, our I'm just, body can't move. Yeah, I'm just going to close down for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame. I mean, I really do want to like Yaku Fu. I've always had a soft spot for it because of that music, and I, and I do like the styling of it and the feel of it. But yes, that that collision detection is such a pain in the ass. It is such a pain in the ass. Here we go, Yaku Fu. That's the last of our games for this section. Uh, we'll be back um, after this short interstitial stuff, which may be an advert. It could be to- us talking about something else. Who knows? We'll be back soon though with film and television in April 1986.
Thanks to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, where you'll find books and audiobooks that are as cheap as real chips. Dave's next book, Escape from the Commodore 64, sees someone trapped inside their bread bin. They had to complete one of the games they're stuck in to escape. Crash landing on a green planet full of vector graphics, can they find a way to escape for real? If only they can find that Nova Drive. Or they could stay and become mayor. Either way works, really. Book, ebook, and audiobook are coming soon. Visit DavidHearnWriter.com. That's David H-E-A-R-N-E Writer.com to find out more. Hello, welcome back. So we're on to films and TV for April 1986. What was going on in the world of moving image back then? Let's have a look. Well, we spoke about this with their song that came out last week, Just Say No. Uh, the cast of Grange Hill. They were obviously, this was a TV show. For those who don't know, Grange Hill was a TV show set in a school, ran for many, many years yeah, over different periods. And every, everybody everybody from about the age of about 55 to probably about 40 will have their favourite period of Grange Hill because that was probably when they were a, a certain age. Yeah. And so it, as part of as part of this uh, this show, they had, a, they had a, a, a story that was going on where one of their characters, Zamo, became a, a bit of a druggie um, and they wanted to show the pit falls and horrors of drugs and as part of the bbc's drug watch campaign this is from wikipedia bbc one airs it's not just zamo a news round special that was presented by john craven and nick ross that seeks to warn younger viewers about the dangers of using drugs the program followed a recent drug abuse storyline in grange hill involving the character zamo maguire was that his real name his first name was zamo it was yeah yeah not bobby zamo i thought zamo would be his surname might be samuel maybe is his real name but he's zamo maybe played by Lee McDonald and features the launch of a version of the anti-drug song Just Say No which went into the charts that uh, was recorded by the Grange Hill cast the song goes on to reach the top 10 and the weird thing was members of the cast were invited to the White House to meet the first lady Nancy Reagan who founded the Just Say No campaign and I saw I was watching some 80s thing on TV the, uh, the other week and it, it was on it was this it was Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan and they were sat in their really chintzy living room <laughs> of the White House yeah. uh, it was all awful it was proper 80s proper 80s <laughs> awful awfulness um, of a chintz of a nightmare of a front of a living room nightmare. and they were sat on this uh, were sat on this uh, sofa and Ronald was all like I, I, I want to introduce you to my to my wife Nancy and she has important things to say and she gives this big speech about <laughs> saying no to drugs it was so weird. That Ronald Reagan, you just did an impersonation of that. There was there, there was an attempt, but I pulled out quickly. <laughs> I pulled Not the first out quicker time you said than, that. Uh, <laughs> I pulled out quicker than Roger Moore <laughs> in Moonraker. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, so this is this was a big thing, wasn't it? It was the yeah. you know this whole just say no campaign with with Zambo and Grange Hill and the White House and the the US and say no to drugs and drugs are a bad thing and winners because this then led surely this led on to winners don't use drugs. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, yeah, in was that was that in NAC? That was in Williams Games. Yeah, well, all the Williams Games, the yeah. FBI yeah. sponsored games. Yeah, winners don't use drugs. Yeah. A game where you so literally good. kill drug dealers and collect, pick up their dirty needles and their drug money and <laughs> blow them yeah. apart with Nark. rocket launchers. Nark was a, that was the Eugene Jarvis one, it? Nark. Yeah, same, yeah, Williams, it yeah. Was, same yeah, same people so. that eventually came to make Mortal Kombat made that. So. Yeah. 
defender and all that sort Ooh. of stuff. Yeah, so this was a huge thing that there was this big drive. Was huge. I, I, I'm not 100% up on my, my drug history. It's not my forte, but I believe the 80s was the, the big thing, the big scary thing was crack, One, it? Was crack in the 80s? Was that the uh, big... It, it, Zama was heroin. He was a big heroin Zara, addict. Zama was heroin, but America yeah, and it, everything it, that was going it, on yeah, was cocaine, the, 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 heroin, the crack, crack, the crack, yeah, a, crack yeah, academic. Yeah, totally, yeah. And it was such a, you know, it's hard to, we're so used to these kind of things on TV, so used to them these days, but having your kids, this was on, you know, kids TV, we've spoken about kids TV already, this was on, um, you know, as you came up from school, having the people that you would become, because they, they were your age group, so there's seeing people that you were kind of grown accustomed to and kind of grew to like and love as these characters, suddenly seeing one of them go down the tubes, because it's hard to, you know, Zugs, Drugs, sorry, drugs, drugs were not a, a, well, I don't know, they may have been a big thing, but where we lived, they weren't that big, were they? they were not that, not, not in that age we were range. Of, no. Not in, that, not in our age range at school in, in Grimsby. No. You know, the UK. They, they were not, they were not things. So this was such a, 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 you know, it was quite an eye opening story. Mm, it was quite it was. a brave story for, because um, I think it was this, I think it was Phil, was it Phil Redmond? It was. Was the, the guy who was running it, and he would go on, I think, to do, would he be part of Brookside? Yes, is, he did Brookside, yeah. And I think that. he did Brookside, which which was also quite, you know, he obviously not afraid of taking on strong storylines that were, were tackling issues of the day. This was unusual. This was really unusual. Your kids' TV was Dog Tanyon and Battle of the Planets. Yeah. And most of the stuff going on in Grange Hill was, you know, the most threatening thing was the sausage in the opening credits. <laughs> um, now we have one of the one of the main characters becoming addicted to drugs. And there was the great scene, isn't there? The, the harrowing scene where he's in the... Is he in the cloakroom? Is in the locker room? Where yeah, he's lockers, scrabbling yeah. around trying to pick up, trying to pick up the bag of heroin. Yeah, because Ro- Roland Browning spilt his little baggy. Yeah, little yeah. Roland, you it's, bastard. Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was kind of crazy that they, it was a huge thing. It was a. Yeah, because I think uh, it's his girlfriend at the time. I can't remember his girlfriend's name. I think she flushes. She grabs it and tips it out, or flushes it down the loo, or tips it on the floor, or some gesture. Says, "Zami, you're out yeah, of control, that's... man, and you're not having any of this stuff." And then he was like freaked out completely. And he's like dabbing it off the floor with his finger i've seen that happen in toilets in nightclubs i've seen it I've, I've, I've seen that scene played out for my eyes many many times many times many times i'm not involved in any of that i've just seen it played out i just assumed it was a very elaborate uh zamo reenactment i applauded <laughs> what else would you do when you see that <laughs> toss them a couple of uh, yeah, five pound notes well done that's the well be- done. best well- zamo mcguire impersonation i've seen in many a year well done you and you, you look like Roland. You're a good one. I'm not even knowing. But no, um, yeah, it was it was a big deal. It was quite harrowing at the time because they were they were. I mean, these characters were. It's hard. It's hard to define it now. But it, I suppose it be there are TV equivalents of not Grange Hill anymore. But it's became. It's like a sitcom. It's like a, a children's version of a soap opera. And. And what's the what's the one that's on now? There's one like it that's on now where where stuff like this happens and they have now have murderers and all sorts in it. But well, Hollyoaks, Hollyoaks, yeah, same. That's the same guy. Well, Hollyoaks, I think. Uh, yeah, but could you imagine? I mean, I don't know if they've done it. I'm guessing they're not. But if you were sat there watching High School Musical and you know one of the characters suddenly become a massive druggie, Zac Efron's character became a massive yeah. druggie and was it, was shoveling coke up his nose, off heroin up his nose, off the toilets, off the toilet floor. They weren't shy of dealing with stuff in Grange because it wasn't just drug abuse. They had bullying. They had child abuse at one point I think as well um, physical child abuse and stuff they've covered a lot of ground and it was that kind of safe space for TV to be able to play, make a play about it and then open the discussion about it because they realised in the mid 80s that you couldn't just shield people from all these things happening you had to talk about it and, and 
dispel some of the myths around it because educating people as they discovered is better than hiding it from them. And this was part of that grand strategy to sort of demystify drugs as this thing that happens elsewhere in these places you don't go, which ironically for us is exactly the truth. But it wasn't. It was actually just to make it so that anyone can get addicted. It's easy to fall into that trap with the wrong people and the wrong stuff. And it was quite a powerful campaign. Now, how that led them to meet Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan, I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's what, yeah. not, and I suspect all the cast of Grange Hill must have been sat there going, we're meeting who? Why? But you know what? Free flights to the White House can't be bad. Yeah, true. Get to sit in that chintzy front Just room. Just imagine Ronald Reagan going, Lovely. And, you, who are you, and who are you, son? And Zamo going, I play, I'm Zamo. I'm Lee McDonald. I play Zamo McGuire. I'm the one that was addicted in that. Oh, well, <laughs> don't be addicted. It's bad for you. Because he was a babbling psychotropic maniac wasn't he not Lee McDonald he's a lovely hang on, guy hang on. Ronald Reagan I mean was that, a Ronald, was that a Ronald Reagan impression I just uh, heard was, as well it was basic yeah basic Reagan <laughs> I don't know I can, I can only think of Ronald Reagan from bloody spitting image spitting image yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, fellow, <laughs> my fellow Americans I don't know I can't remember how he did the that voice the president's brain is missing yeah exactly and um, by the way I found out the other day Steve Coogan did loads of the voices on early um, spitting image but there you and go. Chris Barry as Chris well Chris Barry did Reagan he was the Reagan he did that yeah, um, so they got to meet Ronald Reagan they got a song in the charts it was you know now the question is right did this influence you at the time did you because it did make you think didn't it um I mean it's, I mean I, I, at the time I'd have never admitted it if someone had said to me you know have you seen that episode of Grain Jill and you know I would have been like yeah sorry it's stupid rubbish nonsense what what, what are they on about yeah, yeah. and a very bravo but in thinking about it now you know it's you know it, it is a quite a powerful message and I think it you know I, I've never been a druggie or anything like that but I, I imagine that um, that uh, there's people that might it might very well have triggered in the right council estates in the right areas people might very well led to conversations that maybe helped them through some of those difficult addictions yeah, I don't ma- know I maybe. think that's I mean, a nice thought I was I, I was playing my Commodore 64 or playing football and I wasn't I wasn't really around people did it but it was one of those things just to look at and go, oh. Well, you think okay, you were, but a, in actuality, you were strapped to a bed for six weeks telling everyone you was Jesus because uh, you were oh, so yeah. high. Don't you remember when you tried to <laughs> jump off your garage roof telling everyone you was a chicken? Um, and that was that was actually just down to a really weird uh, sort of allergic reaction to peas. Um, not so much heroin or anything, but, you know, it's the, it, you know hey, side you effects and side effects. Down, you can, if you grind peas down, you can snort anything. <laughs> If you're snorting peas, you've got a lot of problems, the least of which is the <laughs> hallucinations that would come from that. So, And especially, but you know oh, what? Yeah. The, they did try and remedy that pea addiction with the Give Peas a Chance campaign. <laughs> but uh, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't nearly this as popular. Is over. <laughs> Great job, cast never got to go to America on the back of that one, let me tell you. <laughs> send me the riot, please. <laughs> But now, Great Deal was a great show. There's some you can actually go and I'm pretty sure if you went on YouTube and Googled Zamo Maguire, Googled YouTube Zamo Maguire, you're going to see that yeah, famous probably. clip along with other clips where he gets into trouble for you know tripping over a frog, kicking a, a dog, <laughs> falling over a log, and other things that rhyme with with the dog, such as um, <laughs> is this the candy of a thousand uses. <laughs> yeah, he clapped, clapped, a, he slapped a hog. <laughs> Fell in a bog. He fell in a bo- fell in a bog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Picked up some pogs. <laughs> pogs. <laughs> they have pogs. There? Yeah, he's um, yeah. It, it's of its time. But Grange Hill is quite. A, it's not good when you watch it back now. I'll be honest, because it was always nothing like school, even though it was set at a school, because it was a soap opera set in a school. 
but it was nothing like school, but it was kind of like school. It's, but the funny thing is... It was enough. It is, and certain things stick out in your memory. I remember Zamo addiction, and I remember Roland, the big sort of chubby kid in it, stealing all his dad's chocolate bars out of a lorry and eating them. And did he eat them or did he use them <laughs> for a competition? I think he stole the wrappers to try and claim some prize money or something and getting his dad into loads of trouble. Random things you remember. Because I just remember thinking, that's a stupid thing to do, Roland. So, but there you go. Yeah. There you go. And the guy who played Hitler in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was Mr. Bronson. Mr. Bronson, yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. One who everyone hated, but then turned turned good at one point, didn't he? He did a good thing, and everyone was like, oh, he's all right he underneath. Did, yeah, remember the, uh, the, the headmaster was Mrs. McCluskey, I think, if I remember yeah, rightly. Yeah, for a while, yeah. And the, that, and that the was, bully that was, was uh, period, Ripper yeah. Stepson. <laughs> Ripper. Ripper Stepson. Such an ace yeah. name for a character. If you go, and then later <laughs> on it became, Beli- uh, I want to say, there's another bu- a girl bully character, but I can't remember her name, um, but Ripper well, Stepson. Well, the cast went on to EastEnders, didn't they? It did Todd Carty did yeah but what was the name Todd Carty um, Michelle Michelle Tully remember. was she T- yeah Michelle Tully oh, Susan yeah. Tully Susan Tully, Susan yeah. Tully she sorry. was in it yeah she was she in played Michelle yeah, Michelle. Did. A few of them went on to EastEnders, yeah. It's like the progression, really. Yeah, it was. Uh, right, yeah, that's uh, that's Grange Hill. 2nd of April, the first InVision teletext service is seen on ITV when Central launches its Job Finder service. Oh, God, Job Finder. Wow. It broadcast for one hour after the end of the day's programming. Many other regions launched their own Job Finder service later in the 1980s. I think that actually says something more about the unemployment figures in the 1980s yeah, than technology. It, just, it was heavy going. We need, to, we need to show them jobs. We need to get people working, give them where can we do this technology and then they've got nothing else to do because they're sat at home watching telly on the news at the time the, the news would be on and they would do all the news stories and then it would have like, almost like a weather announcement but it was just the job the job tally the jobless tally so the unemployment tally it had like a count of unemployment and it was in the corner like toiling away like and there's been a thousand job losses down in Kent and then the little thousand little counter would yeah. spin around and, there'd be, and the 500 jobs went in this factory in Dorset and then it was really really horrible so job finder was kind of a, a technological olive branch to try and find something be interested to know yeah. how many if anybody out there who listens to this got their job from job finder maybe they're doing that to this day who knows be interesting maybe kind of did. like um covid cases yeah <laughs> Similar exactly. sort of thing. same sort we of get our daily covid cases yep. but we get our good news because we get vaccines yeah and Never. then of course the mystery really behind job finders who did the music that sat behind that where did it come from it was this ether world of non-music because it was really weird yeah. name cover lift music but i'd love to know who decided what was behind it it was probably whoever did those cover versions you would hear in uh, uh small supermarkets like tates oh yeah go in there, those those or your local thingy they'd play those things over the year and it wasn't quite it what it wasn't the original it no. was some cover yeah it was it wasn't, it wasn't quite a, it, was, right it, was, it was dan halen it was bon, bon holen <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was singing leap the great hit leap <laughs> <laughs> An eruption. <laughs> <laughs> Bon Holland with yeah, Eruption. It sounds like the Aldi branded versions of those bands. So, <laughs> Go ahead and leap. <laughs> I can't believe it's not Van Halen as their, as their first album. <laughs> oh, what else happened? 3rd of April. There's a brand new children's animated series, The Raggy Dolls. Raggy Dolls. Began on ITV as, as told by Neil Innes. Neil Innes, the Raggy Dolls. Raggy Dolls, just like yeah, you I and knew, me. I knew if I put that in here, you'd hum that. I knew I you'd say that. It. If you were a hump and your leg is a lump and your fingers are all thumbs. <laughs> well, he did all the music for Monty Python, didn't he? Did. It's, it's a good little... Yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he's a cracking little 
he was well he was he's, i'm pretty sure he's I, i'm i'm guessing i think he's died i may be wrong <laughs> i'm not committing to it he's schrodinger's <laughs> schrodinger's <laughs> neil as far as i'm concerned i always like the line in the chat in the song for that you're out if you don't fit in look who's in the reject bin i quite like that it's a good it's a quite a bleak yeah. lyric it's up there with the thomas the tank engine classic lyrics accidents happen now and again just when you least expect just when you think that life is unfair fate comes to collect <laughs> classic thomas the tank engine that's that's real thomas the tank engine lyrics that is accidents shouldn't happen with trains <laughs> no they're doing no, thomas the tank engine to, world though but, hey, uh, but the thing i mean yeah because the raggy dolls were you know imperfect dolls weren't they so yeah it was quite a nice message yeah. behind that yeah, yeah. yeah bbc one's top of the pops introduces a new theme tune the wizard by paul hardcastle yes I didn't know Paul Hardcastle did that. Did you know? And yeah, I did know that it was Paul Hardcastle. No. And um, he did that for next to note as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. But uh, it's great. Like kind of guy. It, it, but, even chat after made, that as well. Yeah, that's because he released a new version of 19 every week for a period of period of two to three months. The version of The Wizard that came out uh, is not... There's several versions of that, none of which are identical to the one that's on top of the pops. 11th of April, the chat, the chat show is broadcast for the first time on Channel 4. I didn't know it started on Channel 4. Yeah, it did. And it wasn't a chat show that I watched a lot of at the time. I was a top of the popser, I'm afraid. Yeah, but um, the chat show became essential viewing when it used to hit... When I think it hit lunchtime at ITV on a Saturday. Yeah, it did have some quirky stuff in there, that's for sure. When it had the indie chat and stuff. Yeah, and Dick Which Spanner. I really used to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, 12th of April, ITV airs the network television premiere of uh, Car- John Carpenter's The Thing. That would have been the first time I saw that as well. Not mine. I saw it on... Uh, my brother got it on video, so I'd seen that then. But that's... Uh, what was that? 1986. Took four years. That's how long films took to hit TV. Mm-hmm. Any kind of terrestrial thing, if you couldn't get it on video... Back in the 80s, you were waiting four years for a film to show up on TV. Absolutely. And we all know, of course, that this is pre-widescreen TVs and widescreen. Oh, yes. So, it's so this a, is 4.3. Yeah, it's in 4.3, which means it's got that pan and scan. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. there's a scene in it where it so horrifically pans and scans that it's quite embarrassing, really. So yeah. do was yourself it, a favour, get the Blu-ray. Pan and scan and chop and cut, was it? Was it the other yeah, version? Yeah, same thing, yeah, where it would actually cut to different areas of the screen as opposed to pan across yeah. and whip pan, yeah. So it looked like the different, it looked like it'd been edited, but it wasn't. Yeah, some of them got away with it, but not many. I remember the first time I saw the widescreen version of Close Encounters of the Third Kind after having only seen the TV version, which had some horrific chop and cut in it. It was just cutting so often. It was like, oh, and you got so used to it. And then you saw the widescreen version. It was like, it's just one shot. It's just one long shot of the mountain. And even in the foreground, there's loads of it. But yeah, TV, TV used to do loads of stuff like that. It was terrible. Finally, 23rd of April, Joss's Giants <laughs> debuted. Do you remember Joss's Giants? I don't remember much about it. I remember the name. I don't remember much about it. It was a football. I think uh, it was a Newcastle fo- football yeah, kids. A little I think bit it was Newcastle. A little bit coming back to um, me. I seem to. I remember watching it quite a lot, but it was only on for a year. But I do remember it, and I seem to. I seem to um, that have that in mind with the uh, Murphy's Mob. Do you remember Murphy's Mob? No, I don't. You're making these up. Yeah, Murphy's Mob, Joss's Giants, Gary, <laughs> Gary's Gang. <laughs> 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 Bob's bunch. Bob's bunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Terry's yeah. tacklers. Uh, do you know? Do you know? Ah, oh, that was great. I used to love Terry's tacklers. <laughs> oh, marvelous. Anyway, yeah, that's TV. <laughs> anyway, films. What films are out? Uh, April. April the fourth. Absolute beginners. Have you watched that yet? You said you were going to go watch it. No, I haven't. And I've decided Good. I'm not going to. No, don't. It's not worth it. No. It's really bad. So I've just even gone to the, the absolute time, end. It was a product of its time. And yep. even though of its time, it was bad. Yes. So don't watch it. 11th of April, though. Welcome to Fright Night. For real. Fright Night is ace. Fright, Fright Night, Night is, is ace. ace. And I tell you what, Fright Night is ace. 
the sequel, Fright Night 2, obviously, is I'm not as good, but still good, and still has some really great moments in it. And the remake... Oh, the, roller, the, the Rollerbladers. Yeah, it's, yeah, some of it isn't yeah, as good. Rollerblading Vampires. Yeah, yeah, but some of it's good. And it has some silly characters in the remake, in the second one. The remake, I think, is brilliant. Very underrated film, the remake. Um, yeah. Really good. And it's got an exceptionally good performance from um, Colin Farrell in it. As so, the vampire, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, brilliant. it's brilliant in that. It's a really good film. It's dead underrated. So I like the Fright Night franchises. In fact, I watched these only maybe two weeks ago i downloaded the uh, um sorry i rented the um <laughs> <coughs> rented from an establishment um the whole shebang fright night fright night 2 and then the remake to watch them all in a fright night and um i actually have to say as much as i like colin farrell's version of um jerry dandridge in the remake i still really like the jerry dandridge in the original fright night i know it's it's the guy from um, Prince's Bride, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um... I can't think of his name. Oh my Come god, back. Chris Sarandon. Chris, Dar- Chris Sarandon. So he, but he Chris plays Sarandon. he plays the vampire really well in that. He does all the kind of crazy, weird vampire noises when he's got crucifixes and he and he's the makeup effects actually, even though they're de- they are dated. They're quite, they're quite quite gruesome in places. Quite gruesome, and they are, and they're quite grim. And there's a really, there's a really weird sequence as well. Yeah, the, the re, there's a really drawn out sequence where uh, Evil Ed gets staked when he's a wolf and turns yes. back. Yes, that sequence goes on for way longer than you think it should do. Yeah, it, and but he's all the more powerful and brilliant for it. It's yeah, really quite it, it's not, moving. It's and horrible. Not, it is. It's not compromising in, in its in actuality because you think it has got elements of black comedy to it, and it has. But in, there's more black than comedy in it. It's there's some funny bits in it, but the actual yeah. when he when Jerry Dandridge targets the main character and starts and starts to you know decides that he's gonna without to spoilers he's gonna kill him and he's following him around the house and he's kind of indestructible and he's just appearing. It's genuinely quite terrifying. <laughs> One of my favourite sequences as well is when he appears in his bedroom. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, Those bits are he, genuinely he, he freaky. Just, he just breaks his door handle. Yeah. Just, or the whole door frame. He just, just crunch, just destroys yeah. it. Yeah. There's so many good bits. Or the, and obviously the Peter, oh, what's his name? From Planet of the Apes. Oh, God damn. Why am I forgetting his name? He plays names? Van Helsing. I think he's a variant of Van Helsing in this, doesn't he? But he's... Oh, yeah, mm. it's the classic character, Ronnie McDowell. Yeah, Ronnie McDowell. Um, so Ronnie McDowell is great in it. He's really, really good. Yeah, he is, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and as he comes to sort of realise that what he thought was just make-believe and everything is actually real. Yeah. So, so good good and the death of the familiar on the stairs is yeah. horrible yeah there's so many good sequences and there's so many good lines and it's mm. it, yeah i'm in complete agreement i think fright night it does get kind of lumped in with a bit oh it's a bit sort of 80s cheese it's a bit but it's not i don't think no, it is i think it's, it's I, I will always because i'm not a big fan of like the lost boys i think no. it's okay that's 80s cheese but i think fright night is is the definitive for me it's a that and probably near dark definitive 80s vampire films yeah I always like the premise of Fright Night. You know, kids. It's very. It's this. It borrows bits from other films in clever ways. So it borrows a little bit of Rear Window, and it borrows a little bit of um, sort of obviously mm. vampire lore and vampires. But it plays that so brilliantly that the main character, who is a pretend vampire hunter on TV, has to be convinced yeah. that there's real vampires. It's such a good twist. I, I really like it. It's a great film. Definitely go and rent them from a legitimate place. And when you do that, or on some kind of, you know, you can probably get them on Watch Again on demand somewhere. Or they'll be out there on one of the many systems go and find it and watch it yep. and do yourself a favor watch that give fright night to a chance because it's not as good but it's still quite good and it is a continuation and then definitely watch the fright night remake because
there's there's some moments in that that are genuinely horrific and brilliant, and it's just worth the watching it. Sequence. Yeah. yeah, just there's stuff that's throwaway in that film that really makes you go, "Whoa, that's kind of freakish," and some really good yeah. jump jump moments. I'm not going to spoil any of that because there's some moments in it that will just genuinely make you go, "Whoa, I didn't expect that to happen." So, and also, I, I didn't think it would actually work, but the reinvention of the Roddy McDowell character with mm. David Tennant is really good as well. Yeah, I Peter liked Vincent. It. Yeah, I liked I liked the idea that he was kind of a quirky sort of magic act thing. I think it works. Yeah, they, had to, they couldn't just repeat what they had. I like it. I like it a lot. Definitely go and check them out. Well worth it. Absolutely. We like those. Room with a View was out, also out on the 11th of April. Oh, I've never really bothered with it. He's like one of those, you know, I think um, it's Eddie Izzard that really summarised the whole British Room with a View kind of film. It's like, oh, hello. It's just, it's just they're just awkward. Just films about people <laughs> yeah, going yeah. into different rooms being awkward. Hello, are you okay? No, well, no, I'm not. Oh, um, uh, oh. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a film about repressed emotions and, and feelings and, and, and doing the proper right thing. If that floats your boat... Until Krull came out, all the films in the UK were like that. <laughs> Krull changed the rules. Hang on, hang on. I'll, I'll say two words to you here. Carry on. <laughs> they weren't about repressed emotions. Yeah, some of them were. You could get quite teary watching... Uh, Carry on at the Kyber. <laughs> Carry on at your convenience. Yeah, yeah. What's he doing? Mr. Boggs in that, isn't he? Mr. Boggs. Don't yeah. know why I need a B-Day. Just stand upside down in a shower. <laughs> See? Makes me laugh even to this day. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to watch some of them Carry On movies now. <laughs> don't. They're terrible, but do. Also, watch... Uh, Carry on, uh, carry on, don't lose your head. That's yeah, a good one. carry on, don't lose your head, and I'll probably end up watching Carry On, Cleopatra, Carry On, Cleo, and <laughs> oh, pro- pro- most likely Carry On Camping because <laughs> it's stupid, but there you go. But that's British cinema as we like it, not a room with a view. <laughs> no, 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 none of this. No, none no, of that. No. Um, 18th of April, interesting one, Phenomena. Phenomena. Is this the Argento film? Is it Argento? It is. Creep, creeper. Yeah, it's Creepers. Yeah, so it's Dario Argento's, uh, one of his better movies. It is. I am not a fan of it's got many of his films. Jennifer, Jennifer Connolly, yeah, yeah. Good soundtrack. Jennifer Connolly, yeah. Great soundtrack. Looking very young. She looks really young in it. She is what's one, it must be one of her first films up there with Labyrinth, I think. She's quite young in that. So essentially yeah. a child. Well, can you think she's still act, She's still a great actress now? She's not bad in any of those films, really. She's good in everything at the minute. She's really good. And she, she's, yeah. she's very, she's very, uh, very, very attractive lady. Lovely singing voice. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, huge tracks of land. Um, huge uh, tracks of land. Yeah, she, but, she was only like 15, 16 when she filmed this. Yeah. In fact, she, she can't have been that much older when she was in One Wild Night riding that horse to see most teenagers don't forget once they've seen it no they do not but um i like phenomena only in that it's it's actually quite a really weird film and hard to follow but that's dario argento movies in a nutshell but it's one of his better ones at least it's relatively easy to follow i do believe that the british version phenomena is cut to ribbons isn't one it yeah yeah Uh, from the original from the original creepers it makes no sense makes even less sense than a normal dario argento film would i remember i remember I remember this film being reviewed on uh, what would be film eighty six by Michael Parkinson because he was in he was covering for Barry Norman at the time, mm. and uh, I remember him reviewing it, and he absolutely one hundred percent just slated it, saying it was probably the worst film he'd ever seen. Jeez, uh, I think Gary went around and beat him up at that point. Well, he's always liked it, hasn't he? Because he is a big fan of a uh, Goblin. Is it that do the soundtrack for this one? Is it Goblin? They do, they do. So, yeah. and, and in fact, I've even I've actually even sampled bits of the Phenomena soundtrack and used them in my own music before now. Yeah. Um, if you you know. At some point, I'll put the link on the website. You can go and check it out if you want, maybe later. But yeah, good soundtrack, good filmish, but not Argento's great works. One of his great works. He's certainly better than some of the other nonsense, certainly better than the most recent ones he's done. We don't talk about them. 
God, that mother of tears. <laughs> Blow me. No. No. 25th of April. Let's move on. 25th of April was a film called The Lightship. Is that a horror movie about a lightship? IMDb says a trio of robbers, two brothers, and their twisted genius leader invade a lightship, but don't reckon on the crew fighting back. What's a lightship? I don't know. Got Robert Duvall in it, or has it? I don't know. Anyway, no, we don't know what that is. Yeah, Robbie I don't du- know. He's got Robbie Duvet. Robert Duvet. He's a budget 29th actor. 29th of April, we saw Silverado. Don't like it. Do you not a Silverado fan? No, I'm not a fan of it. It's that Western. Is it got what's his name? And it's um. Yeah, it's a Western with Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, that's it. Uh, yeah. Scott Glenn, Kevin Costner, yeah. Danny Glover. Nah, not my cup of tea, Silverado. It's all right. I quite enjoyed it. I think it's okay. It's Western hokum, isn't it? It's not, yeah, not a fan. Yeah, it's okay. But on also the same day, uh, In the Shadow of Kilimanjaro. Do you remember that? No, is that documentary? Nah, Killer Baboons. Oh, God, no. No, I don't remember that. I, I, re- this is, I remember this. This is one of the ones I saw on video back then. You know, you've got the most eclectic video taste known to man. It's my brother. It was my brother. My brother <laughs> used to rent these films. And because, like... I would just watch him with him. Why would I not? Because of a severe drought in Kenya in 1984, 90,000 starving baboons go on a murderous rampage, killing humans and animals alike. Mm, sounds like Planet of the Apes to me. John Reese davis is in it. Okay, that's not necessarily um, a good thing. So Gimli's in it. Does he play the same <sighs> character who plays in Indiana Jones? He's on a Gimli. swords of Italy, whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. A British Sol- sword. Sol- <laughs> so, no, I don't think he plays Sola. No, <laughs> he should. Uh, but no, I do. I, I I know I've seen that film. I can remember nothing of it. I just knew when I saw it, and I was cutting and pasting these and looking at these. I was like, "Isn't that the one about the killer baboons?" And it was. Killer baboons are always going to stay with you. Yes, they have a tendency to do that. They do. Something they are quite dangerous, they actually. Your average baboon is yeah. a strange and angry animal. Yeah, don't get mess. Don't mess with them. They don't want to. All right, that's it. That's your film and TV for 1986. So we had uh, drugs in. Uh, Drugs in our children's TV programs and in the White House. We had TV trying to find people jobs. We had imperfect dolls. We had TV pop tunes changing and becoming on there. We had The Thing appearing. We had, and obviously our pick of the films is going to be Fright Night, isn't it? Yep, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Go watch Fright Night. It's really good. That's it. That's your films and TV for April 1986. Uh, We'll be back after this short break in a moment with the roundup of our last games for this month. So stay with us. A big shout out to our sponsor DavidHernWriter.com where you'll find bargain books and audiobooks. Dave's next book, Escape from the Commodore 64, sees someone trapped inside their bread bin. They have to complete one of the games they're stuck into escape, finding themselves in a cave full of rocks, diamonds and butterflies. Can they get the jewels and get out? Book ebook and audiobook all coming soon visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more dave's podcast pick is yia kung fu where fan was his nemesis and swishy pants let him jump like a thing on a spring Back. This is the last section uh, of this episode. We're going to look at a few more games. We've got four more to look at. Crapverts. We've got the charts. What's coming up next week? Um, and that. That's what's going on in the next, well, I don't know, half hour or so. Let's get on with it then. Because our first game uh, is Nontarakus. <laughs> uh, a game that's as impenetrable as its title. Um, this was a budget release from Mastertronic, one ninety nine. Uh, and yet it still only scored 48%. There's probably a reason for that. 
Um, this is, I'm going to say those words, it's another one of them. It's a dull flick screen arcade adventure mm. um, with a tune that is borderline criminal after a while. <laughs> Just a bit. Um, it, it's, it's weird. I couldn't make out what head nor tails. This is another one of those strange old games. This is what I'm saying. This episode is replete with the weirdest of strange. Um, it looks like a Spectrum game. It does. In some ways. Yet it has weird C64, C64 sprites thrown in for the enemies. The graphical style is all over the place. Um, I couldn't tell what you were. I didn't know whether you were being seen from above, front on, side on. Um, you were some kind of yellow blob is the best I could describe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you move through these screens by kind of flying and avoiding stuff. I think you could shoot and kill stuff, but it's one of it's one of them, so they respawn as soon as you get back off and onto the screen. At times, you could swap to being a helicopter thing. There's yeah, a big that's right. thing yeah. that said swap, um, and you could swap, but I didn't quite know why. It would every now and again my psyche would run out and I would be and it would be game over. Yep. Um, to I don't know. I I hated it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it then. I do remember playing it because I remember the name and I remember not liking it and I don't like it now. No. Um, I don't like the fact again. I said this about um, Phantoms of the Asteroids. That sometimes you lose energy when you hit stuff and sometimes it's instant death. You know, I just give one or the other or give me lives. Whatever you want to do, but pick a pick a side and stick with it. Um. There's some kind of story about collecting something from a sentient computer. I don't know. It, it, who cares? It's just multitudes of screens, it's like a thousand screens or something. Mm. But it's boring as hell. And it, it's a one ninety nine. The best I can say about it is meh. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't. I can't drum up any kind of enthusiasm for another one of these. And this is another one of those. Did you feel anything in any way different to non Taracus? No. Um, I thought it was a boring pick 'em up. Played loads of these before. I imagine these mappers out there that got a massive woody at the thought of having a thousand plus screens to draw out and figure out. So they probably... got a non taraki Exactly. They got you know they got a big joystick on um, to say the least. Um, <laughs> oh, that could be quick shot. I actually put I, yeah, check out check out yeah with its uh, check with out it, my zipstick check out my zipstick. Uh, check... Yeah. Oh, I just realised that is a horrible pun. <laughs> yes, that's quite graphic. Um, <laughs> quite grim, really. Yeah, um, but yeah, so it's boring. Um, and as you describe, you just you know wandering around doing stuff over a thousand screens, spectrumy graphics, nothing particularly amazing about it. They all looked kind of the same to me. The screens kind of amaze. Um, I lost interest in record time. That topped off by that really bloody annoying music was enough for me. Um, mm. Thankfully, it's one ninety nine. So if you made the terrible mistake of buying it, um, you've only got one ninety nine's worth of anger to uh, take out on the tape box. <laughs> um, but it got forty eight percent. I think it's generous for what it is. But I think it's been given forty eight percent because it's big in scope. But like a lot of these games, it doesn't matter how big you make them. If it's big, empty, boring, then just and with silly death logic and stuff like that, just nah. Not for me. Played many games like this now. This is almost becoming the default gamer type. Or game, not gamer, but game type, sorry, for the Commodore 64. Mm. There's so many of them now that part of me feels like somebody's leaked some code somewhere and said, yeah, you know what, if you want to make a quick swift book, even if you're making 500 quid or so, release yourself, a, you know, a collect them up, pick them up, whatever, over a seven, several hundred screens because you're going to have, you know, magazine footage where people are drawing the maps and stuff like that. There's nothing, nothing about this game that's either interesting or fun or good. It's below average at best. And for one ninety nine, that's the only thing that's possible about it. The rest of it, in with its stupid, difficult to pronounce name. Is it non terracus non terracuous What does it even mean? I think it's non. non I think it's non terracus Doesn't mean I anything. Don't know. I don't, Doesn't mean anything. No, 
No one cares. No. It's a, It's got pretensions above its station. Yeah, and there's some of this, Which is always annoying. Robots and psyche and thrusters and stuff, you know. I'm going to go and play Paradroid. There's a game about robots. I'm not going to bother with this crap, so get lost. Or, or Zoids. Or Zoids, yeah. Anything that's not this. Um, not this. No. Stick this in the Jerry yeah. the Germ file. Yeah, no. this is in, this is going in the drawer, isn't it? it absolutely, yeah. It's uh, off in the back of that special Sunday best drawer. I, I have a feeling, you know, and I don't, I, I could honestly be a case where I actually got this for a present and it did end up going in the actual drawer. So I mean, that's, a, that's a for real thing. I hope thing. so. Because I, I seem to remember having it, but I get this and other games of this type confused so much now, but I'm pretty sure I had that uh, the tape version of it and I do remember putting it in a, in the drawer for best. I'm pretty sure of it. So there it went and it will never come out again and probably hasn't to this day. Never. It's still there. No. Probably, yeah. Gather, gathering dust, which is what best thing we can say about it yes let's move on moving let's on. move on move. move on two we saw the advert last week now we have the excitement of fa cup football um graham you're a ba- massive football fan i'm really not i guess uh, that's why i gave you this one so <laughs> i wanted to before i played it, i thought see what you think um this is an officially licensed football game from the English Football Association. Um, mm-hmm. And you've, the idea is it's a manager game. You can lead your team to victory. You've got to start off by selecting your team and how many players will play the game because you can be, you can play multiple players in the same league. Uh, now, the game play, the game plays out, but you basically make choices about your defensive positions of your attacking and your different things. And then the game kind of plays out the league, doesn't it? So, in fact, there's a draw. Like, did, is it me? I did the draw for the team's <laughs> game forever. It's like the longest well, because draw. It took forever. I was like, bored. It's, it's, the, just, it's the draw for round three of the FA Cup where there's 92 it, teams exactly, in it. Exactly. Ever, I mean, you could just skip that. It, was so, it went on forever. I'm like, oh, but... But here's the thing with this game, okay? So it, all of those due processes that happen as the draw and everything else, and then the games play and the teams play each other. And, you know, when you get like, and you can actually, I think that if I'm right, rightly, the games can play out in actual real time. So mm, they can well, be over 90 minutes. So you can specify that you play these games in 90 minutes and they will play out over a 90 minute period. So you can so you can play that if you want to do that. So this it, it has all of the trappings of that. Now, I'm not a fan of football. So this had literally no appeal for me whatsoever. No, <laughs> zero. Um, however, if you were a football fan at the time, maybe even now, there's something in it for you, I think, in this. There's something in there. Now, I'm not saying it's the greatest game experience because essentially just watching nothing other than... But you know what? If you've got a few mates round and you're into football and into the teams that are in this game and you know about the various different plays and the different things and doing all of the mechanics of football itself in order to manage a team, the idea of that team going up the league and yours winning and your friends losing and a drunken evening when you've got the computer and in the background while you're chatting with your mates <laughs> uh, might be a passable way of spending an evening. I don't know. I found it a little bit boring, but I'm not a fan of football. Um, so you're a football fan. I just thought you'd need booze and stimulants to make this exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that said, um, I don't like football, but you roll back the clock to you, AD, when you was a, uh, a young teenager, you was well into your football and I imagine into some of the teams that appear in this list and maybe even some of your friends are into the teams that are in the list that you didn't like. Is there, you know, is there a... Because people still play fantasy football now and it's not dissimilar to this mm-hmm. in many ways. So, you know, at some place it's playing out. So, I don't know. Did you go through an entire league? 
Well, it's not a league; it's a cup. Well, it's so the did, FA did, cup. Did you get? Did you win the cup? No, and I'll tell you why when I get to that bit, sort of thing, because there's a story behind my experience with this game earlier on today when I was playing through this. So the, <laughs> the amusing things which I noted for this game before I get into the basics. Um, so the yeah, the very first round, you do nothing but watch the draw. Um, I picked Liverpool, but it gave me about six other teams as well for some strange reason. I didn't yeah, quite understand why. Playing the odds. I didn't. I didn't care. Um, Liverpool were the team I picked because that's the team I support. They went through. The first first thing what happens is you, you all you can do is pick formation, can't you? Attack, yeah, yeah. defensive, or balanced. Yes. And so attack, balance, or defense, or whatever. So I picked attack because I was at home to I can't remember someone rubbish and I won like four nil. It's like fine. Um, you move all my other teams lost. I was glad I can just focus on Liverpool. Second, once you get through to that, you then start getting half time stuff. Um, appearing so you have to pick your tactics again at half time and then you start getting weird messages come up um, at half time and at one point um, I was watching the messages come up for different teams and for <laughs> there's, there's obviously some problem with the picking the messages because halfway through a game uh, the visiting team in one of the games demanded more tickets <laughs> <laughs> random so so it's like you can you know they went we're, we're, we're 45 minutes in, but we've got more fans outside. <laughs> we're going to let them in. Give us more tickets. And also, halfway through a game, one of the managers came down with flu. Uh, yeah, it happened to me with one of them. One of them got so ill. So it's like, how can that happen? How, that's, that's quite sudden halfway through a game. Um, so that, that happened. It's a really odd and basic FA Cup sim. In that, like you said, you just wait for these draws. Every round, you get a little bit more to do. So in the... Third, you get the third round or you do pick your tactics fourth, in the fourth round you get to pick them again at half time in the fifth round I think it splits in the fifth round you get weird before the game you get these kind of weird like problems that might happen like your team has lost to a low league team what do you want to do pick three options and I have no idea if these whatever you say has any option one I got um, so however uh, just I, I don't know it may, may have affected however in this fourth round I was playing Crystal Palace away and I was 2-0 down at half-time, and I went all attack, and I won 4-2. And I'm not going to lie, I actually punched the ear. <laughs> because <laughs> See, I knew because, you'd be into it. I bloody knew it. <laughs> because it's, because it's, I couldn't help myself. Tell I was like, you. yeah, 4-2, take that. <laughs> <laughs> See? Which is stupid, but anyway, um, the, the whole thing is really odd, and it, but it's quite dull it's a it is a party game isn't it that's yeah. what it is it's yeah. a party game but i don't know if it's any good or not I, can't, I don't know what it would be like playing in the 80s if i played this because there would be no we've already discussed there's no stimulants we went into them um, and we're 14 so there's gonna be no booze so you know to me in 1986 this would have been switched off for a game of exploding fist yeah yeah or, or even or even mule or maybe you'd have <laughs> gone out and actually played football and played football um uh, something else that happened as well halfway through a game uh, the goal nets were stolen on the eve of the match I got told I don't know I got to the final which was against Everton and you get I um, don't know if you got to the final but before the final no. starts you get um, a rendition of Abide With Me this little sort of graphic of Wembley in the middle <laughs> so all this sort of presentation it's really weird and then uh, I got asked a question, which was the um, my star player was asking for a transfer at the end of the season, um, and so I, I I told him off and said no and, and gave him a bad answer. And then the and then the, I, we got to the final. It just started and it crashed, oh. and it was probably down to it was probably down to the, telling the star player off. I don't know. 
<laughs> but uh-huh. just the whole game. I don't know what to make of this. It's 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 boring and it's both boring and um, intriguing and compulsive at the same time. It manages some weird hypnotic hold over you where <laughs> two balls roll across the top at the beginning and random numbers appear and then it just gives you, oh, Tranmere versus Southampton. <laughs> 68, 47. Well, oh, Bolton. I mean, Bolton versus Grimsby. It's like, it, and I thought you it was just an kind in, of it, get into it. An interesting snapshot of... <laughs> I don't know. I think it's an interesting snapshot of a complicated game, which football is at its strategic heart, made into something palatable, which it kind of did what it set out to do. I mean, we've criticised yeah. games that don't. It, and like you said, if you find yourself playing that punch in the air, then it's then the game works. I know, I know, and I hated myself for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was deliberately like, what are you doing? But well, I, I like thought about yeah. it, though. Do you know, it, it's not... When we mock the advert, because the advert is crap for this, but... In, it's terrible. At, at its heart, this is a game where you can play out the FA Cup and you feel a little bit of triumph if your team wins, if you get to that final without it crashing, which is a suspect. Yeah. But that's really bloody annoying. But It was, yeah. considering I've gone through all those draws. Yeah, there's not <sighs> much. And it takes forever, that. Just, not, just you know, and, and from a graphic point of view, from its presentation, it's okay. You know, it, it, it shows it's you very what, simple, it, is it? There are yeah. no graphics. Well, no, but it's, that's what I mean. But it keeps it keeps the idea of the thing is very simple. It doesn't go for complexity. I mean, this could have been any one of those cricket games where they tried to go over complex and got it wrong completely. Or it could be like Jack Charlton's fishing, where it goes so into the reels and rods and everything else that they forgot to actually yeah. have fishing at the end of it. Um, so I think it's got the balance. I think if you had eight people, perhaps as well. If you had eight people who were having a bit, or even four or five or however many, and you had your Commodore 64 out, and like you said, if you were 17, 18 maybe, and you put this on and you had a cheeky whatever it was back then, a cheeky skull um, back in 1986. <laughs> skull. <laughs> and you were like having a few skulls together or carling and you and this was playing and and the, and the draw was coming out and you were just ribbing each other and going oh so i think there could be some fun but is that just having fun because of that social aspect and probably is like any kind of like you might as well just be playing cards yeah. at that point it's just it is it is one of those i don't know if it's any good i don't you know i think it's a leveler because there's no skill no it's just do you want to pick A, B, or C? Or do you, this random question appears going, your team lost on Thursday. What do you want to do with them? Do you want to tell them all off? Do you want to give them extra training? Or do you want to give them a couple of days holiday? But, well, does it matter? Yeah. I don't know. Arbitrary, really. But. Yeah. And, and and so I can see it being, you know, in a group, you'd have a bit of a, a laugh. Because you would you would still, if someone got knocked out, you would still be like, eh, you're out. Yeah. Uh, you, would, you would be doing that. Yeah. So I think in, in that respect, it probably works. But on your own, I don't know, start me punching the air. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Air punch, yeah. Uh, I preferred it to our next game, though. Yeah. God, yeah. Goodness me. <laughs> because, yes, our next game, I'm not sure if we've looked at the advert for this. I think we did. Um and we and we've spoken about him in our music section as well because we our have. next game is the adventures of the adventures of Basildon Bond. So for those who don't know, Basildon Bond was a creation of Russ Abbott. Uh, Russ Abbott was a and I'm doing quotation marks right now comedian in the <laughs> 1980s um, who had a series of crazy characters that he portrayed in various you know Cooperman and Blunderwoman and all these kind of nonsense. Um. I didn't like him in particular, and, and and I thought his 
thought the creations were rubbish. Sort of thing. So Basil the Bond is a knockoff James Bond, as you can tell. Um, and in this game, you find yourself playing Basil the Bond, who is searching a TV station in search of a series of jokes that must be rearranged and rebuilt. Um, this is a bargain basement flick screen adventure game. Um, it, you run this this some elevators weirdly enough that you're being attacked by roving cameras and floating faces i'm not quite sure why um it's very brown <laughs> this really does make use of the c64 brown more than i've very seen a brown. game do it since uh critical mass i think was the last one i saw that was this brown um it's got really blocky sprites really blocky like, really blocky not 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 nice blocky like um uh, Back to the Future sprites were. They were blocky, but they were well animated and they were yeah. quite smooth and it was all right. So these, these are just blocking rubbish. No, this felt to me like a like someone had played Impossible Mission um, and thought I could I could probably do that. Turns out he couldn't. Um, no, no, he could not. No, I mean, an Impossible Mission at this point is two years old, and then we get this. This is rubbish. Mm. Um, Zap gave it 40, 43%. percent. I've no idea. This is just one of those licensing. Things I felt sorry for whoever I got given the Basildon Bond license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's probably the guy who did the action biker guy, isn't it? Yeah, um, be Chris Packett. You know, yeah, probably Chris Packett. You've done a game based on Chris Packett's. What was the other stupid one he did as well? You've done a, you've done a, uh, you've done a game based on plates. Um, <laughs> Not on crockery. <laughs> Not on crockery. Now you can do a game based on Russ Abbott. <laughs> Oh, my life is not what I thought it was going to be. You promised me Ferraris and you stuff. You promised on the me advert. riches beyond my wildest dreams. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm making a game based. Says, all right, I'll do this nonsense. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's, it's essentially, it's, you know, it's just everyone's a Wally again, and we hated it then. We just please stop making these. Yeah, and and they'll stop licensing rubbish characters from rubbish TV shows or films and whatever. Just stop. Just unless you've got a good idea behind these games, stop. Because they're all rubbish, all yeah, of them. Yeah, they are. I mean, I agree with everything you've said. And <laughs> um, this, I mean, I don't know in 1986 if if Russ Abbott was even still on TV. Maybe he was, I don't know. This guy made a career, um, this is no disrespect to him, but he made a career out of impersonating other people, really. So, and we said that before. So, and in this game, you can actually summon Cooperman. and yeah, you, you can, can. And you can summon Blunder Woman. As well, yeah, you can um, to try and help you deal with the robot things. I think or the cameras, whatever they are, TV cameras, aren't they? Um, just lots of stupid in jokes that make no sense. Um, my five, thankfully, mercifully, a five-hour playtime only because the game ends after five hours, whether you've done it or not. Regardless, say so you've got five hours yeah, of the game. Five best. hours though of this. And you never mind. I never managed five minutes. Utter <laughs> blocky bollocks. I've put. Um, uh, you need to have your red, red really to even think that this is anything other than crap. Um, uh, I don't know how it linked to the comedy character, really, because it looked nothing like Basildon Bond in any capacity. And that, no. who the hell was that on the opening screen? Because it ain't Russ Abbott. I don't know who it was. It's just some <laughs> random guy. <laughs> I've took a picture of it. I've took a grab of it. It's in our notes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just look at it. Who are I, you? You're not Russ Abbott. Yeah. <laughs> You're not Basildon Bond. Basildon Bond, by the way, for the people listening to this, he was the James Bond impersonator, but he made... It, as I remember it, his character basically dressed in a diver's suit for most of it, like a wetsuit. Yeah. Uh, and he had a diver's like, yeah. mask on most often than not. So it was kind of a, I don't really know much more about it than that. Um, anyway, you don't want to really. A crap, collective, fixie, roboty. It's the worst version of Impossible Mission known to man. Um, just rubbish. And for full price, again, just, we've seen this happen a lot. Crap license. 
plus idiots equals, you know, um, game like this. No, thanks. I'd rather keep my 10 quid and wait for a green beret or something that's actually worth 10 quid rather than this absolute monstrosity. Just crap. Utter crap. Waste of money. It's way better, cheaper. Still, Phantoms of the Asteroid, get that for one ninety nine. Don't waste your money on this. It's not, not that you would now, because it's unless you're going to go back in time and do it, but um, there's nothing fun about it. And I never liked Cooperman or Blunder Woman, or, which belies, really, the target audience for this. Who else, who is going to buy this? Because Russ Abbott appealed to kind of over-60s, sort of, you know, a bit of Saturday, what he would call anarchic mm. humour. But you know, he had Les Dennis and Dustin G on his show way back. That's what then. I mean. I don't. I don't think there's a market within. No, no the, there isn't. In the, in the in the Commodore 64 demographic, which is you know us no. at the time. Yeah. 14, 13, 14, 15 year old teenagers. We hated Russ Abbott. It was yeah. it was what you it was what your grandparents or your parents watched, well, and you hated anything your parents watched. Exactly, and that's there, the nature of being a young young therein, teenager. Therein lies how it ended up in the hands of younger people. It's one of those games. It's one of those. Oh, I bought you this for your birthday. Look, Adrian. <laughs> oh, I, I, oh you, you, it's got Buzzard and Bond. You like Buzzard and Bond? Like, no, I don't. I don't like Buzzard and Bond, and I don't like the way this this familial relationship has just taken a very serious turn for the worse. You're closer to the falling down the stairs than you've ever been right now. Watch yourself, Granny. Watch yourself. If you keep buying any Sunday best games, I'm telling you, that's a precarious fall, and it's going to hurt you. All right? I'm not going to be responsible for how hard I shove you off that balcony. They haven't got bionic hips yet. <laughs> exactly, yeah. If you, if you did, did, did hear someone say you needed a hip operation? Because if you buy me that game again, you're going to need one. <laughs> <laughs> that went dark quickly. <laughs> well, we take our birthday game purchases very seriously on this uh, this podcast. Um, and there is no space in my life or your life. I'm just protecting you from the Thanks. adventures of Basil and Bond in any way, shape, or form. This game should have never have been released or made. The fact that it was at some point is a abomination against all reality. And that is because it, we know that the target market for that is exactly grannies, uh, you know, great aunt yeah. Petulia, who pops to see you at Christmas time, <laughs> brings you a, an entire family of box of quality, tin of quality streets, but you're special AD, so you get the, you know, the adventures of Basil and Bond. <laughs> You unwrap that, oh. but you unwrap it when you do. You you know it's a game because it's that shape of a game, a tape box essentially. But yeah. you unwrap it and you the wrong think way around. Might... Yeah, you, so you, you see the back of the tape box. You think, oh wow, is this going to be uh, something? Is it Phantom of the Asteroid? No, no. Is it Green Beret? Is it something good? No, it's not. Is it's, it our next game? Then you turn it's it over not. and there's there's Russ Abbott on the front, and you think, you know what? The worst thing, the only thing worse than that is buying somebody the album he released. So. <sighs> the worst and, thing about this game is there's no atmosphere. Exactly, which is ironic. And do you know what? If you actually play the song Atmosphere uh, anywhere, it will suck the atmosphere from the room and kill everyone <laughs> in it. Very well-known side effect of that. So that's all I'm saying about Buzz and a Bond. If you buy me that game, anyone, even now, or if you travel back in time and gift it to me, I will find you and you're going <laughs> to suffer great bounce. pain. <laughs> I'm going to bounce you down some stairs. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> all I'm going to say is that, you know what? You're going to find me over you, over you with a pillow and I'm not going to stop pushing until you stop moving. It's all going to get very, uh, very um, one for the cuckoo's nest, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> Christ. Same. On that note. <laughs> never, never, never by Graham. Basil, the <laughs> Basil Bond ever, ever. Because no. no. he, he has a certain set of skills <laughs> and he will find you. Yes. 
Yes, lock, lock picking and pillow smothery, a specialism. <laughs> and smothery is not even uh, a word. It's not. But if you give him a if you give him a smippleman, he'll he'll calm down. <laughs> I will. Just a couple of smippleman's, definitely. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last game. God's sake. game i've saved i'd like to think probably the best or last mm. but we'll see what you think our last game is a 299 gem it is master of magic mm. graham master of magic what do you think so master of magic just to set the premise um you've been kid you've, you've been kidnapped um by thelric i think his name was or thelic thelric the wizard and, and put you in his world, um, and you've got to recover the amulet of the immortality. So that's the, the principal idea of the game. It's really kind of a Dungeon Dragons game. So you're exploring, and, you, and the viewpoint is really clever in this game. I really, in fact, I'll say it now. I really, really like this a lot for loads of different reasons. So um, it's kind of a menu-driven game engine. So you can sort of go around and select things from your menu. You've got like kind of a radar-type view where, um, and it sort of it illuminates where your torch is pointing because you've got kind of a torch. Um, so you've got sort of top-down orthographic and side views of what's going on. Plus, at the bottom, you've got like a tray where the things that you encounter pick up and monsters and things appear. And there's a kind of a combat system in there as well. So you could do fire spells that you pick up. And uh, I think you've got... He teaches some spells. I can't remember them all, but Magic Missile is the one. And I think there's a burn one. I can't remember them all anyway. But there's a series of spells you can use to fight the creatures and things that you encounter in this dungeon that you're in. Um so it's essentially a, it's a good version of a Dungeon Dragons game. And the game itself is the Dungeon Master throwing the monsters into the dungeon. And you are the person trying to navigate the, navigate the dungeon and go through that. So I really liked it. I liked it back then. It was one of the games, one of the mad games that I bought back then on tape. I really liked it mm -hmm. then. I was heavily into Dungeon Dragons. Or st actually, not heavily at that time. Starting to get into Dungeon Dragons quite a lot at that time. So by 1986, I'd already been painting miniatures for quite some time by that point. Um, and so my inner nerd was really starting to develop a good crust by this point. So I was quite into that kind of stuff. So this really appealed to me. Um, and the pace of the game is quite nice. It's quite fast. So when you're moving around and you're trying to navigate your way around the little passageways and find things, there's a lot to like in here. Um, and I played this game a lot. And I mean a lot. Um, and then later down the line, I even found another use for it because I actually got, when I got an expert cartridge, my first expert cartridge, I actually hacked this game out. It was the first game that I ever cracked um, using my expert cartridge and hacked it out, altered the loader, put my own loading scrolling on it and everything else and distributed it around the school at, uh, to the schoolmates I was in. AD, you were in a sort of year different to me, but I was I distributed this to mm. some people that I did. So I had, because there's a scroll message on the main screen and like a scroll text. So I had a lot of fun. I actually learned the principles of hexadecimal type text through this game amongst many other little weird skills. So it has a real special place in my in my um, Master of magic -y heart for this. Um, so I really like it. The game itself is really good fun. It's really nice. Of course, it's got a great Rob Hubbard score, which really sets the tone for this perfectly as well. Classic mm -hmm. Hubbard. Just great music at the great time with the great pace. Really good. Enough encounters with monsters and stuff to make it really enjoyable. A good old one-player game as well. Um, in a dark room with the music playing and just, you know, the panic that can come from being followed because some of these monsters will follow you around. They're quite relentless. And the battles mm -hmm. that can ensue in there. It's, I really, really like it. I liked it then, and I like it now. This is a good Dungeon Dragons little dungeon puzzler game. Really, really good. And for two ninety nine, it's a bargain. Absolute mm -hmm. bargain. It was one of the Mastertronic added dimension games on it, I think. Um, yeah. 
So it was, um, I think this is programmed by a seasoned programmer of the time. I forget, I think we discussed it before. Is it Richard Darling or? It is Richard Darling, so, yes. You know, so it's got a good pedigree behind that as well. Um, it's certainly the best of the eclectic ransomware crazy that we've had in this previous game. And what a relief that we had this after Basildon crap. Um, <laughs> so I really like it. Um, and I would guess, I would hazard a guess that you like this one too, because you kind of like Dungeon Dragons as well. Mm, I, I, love yeah. I, I, I love this. I love this. I thought you might. I, I, yeah, I, I, completed, I completed this uh, back in the day. I didn't complete mm. it this time. I got close, uh, but I did completely back in the day you have to find i couldn't find the uh the wooden stick to kill the wooden stake to kill the vampire mm. um this time i kept getting killed um but yeah this is great it's um it's really clever um yes. it's uh it's tr- it's tricky real-time dungeons and dragon style dungeon crawler yeah uh it has antecedents for me in things like diablo yeah um which i think you know this because the way that you 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 know I know that's a real time in uh, attack, but this allows you to, you know, it feels feels. This is the first game I felt which felt like a Dungeons and Dragons style thing that worked in yes, real time. Absolutely. Um, and and there's a there's a bit on the docs. So this is on the. Uh, I, I think this is out the actual tape case, but it says um, it's the first of a series of programs bringing together the mind challenging book adventure and the data processing ability of the computer. New techniques create a constantly changing display of your journey through the underworld. Okay, I think it does. It, it's good. It's a simple premise. I mean, graphically, it's really interesting because what do, I, I like that we've bookended this this uh this month so last episode and this one with a game that essentially sees you controlling a dot yes <laughs> so zoids and this the, we've got two sort of strategy games that bookend this um that d- are doing different things and the similar you know this this uses text to, to pick what you want to do zoids uses icons are quite similar in that respect these these two games share a lot of you know dna i think um and they both have Hubbard pieces of music which elevate them. Yes. I think that's you know that's true. There's, there's a lot in common with these two games, apart from the fact this is three quid and um, programmed by one guy. And I think it's incredible for that. Um, there's uh, the, the, the graphics are by someone else. I can't remember his name, but there's a lot to like in this. The, it's it's open ended. It's also what one of the clever things this is 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 the way that the, the game world is in the top left, and it's it's not terribly smooth but you're just a dot moving around a gray gray mm. area and little you know as you said little things will just appear little character graphics yeah, the it's a spider. Thing i thought was really cool I that. yeah but yes you have a, but yes yeah, so you actually have um line of sight yes um so if there's walls in the way you can't see what's beyond them and you can't see what's further along because you've only got a certain amount of view, viewing distance that's really clever for this time mm. having line of sight so if you know you unless you go in a room you you don't know what's in there and it could be a small room but you don't know what's in there so it's yeah. a you could be a it could be an orc there could be spiders there could be some skeletons there could be a vampire there could be anything there could be a scroll there could be potions all these things are there it's prescribed it's it's set out and it's laid out so you can learn this game and you have to learn this game and you've got to know when to use these spells at the right time when to attack and the spells you've got magic missile fireball energy drain and shield i think, I think yeah. maybe not shield i can't remember but to me, this game, in in its design and in its implementation, it, it feels ahead of its time mm. in a lot of ways. It's like a very forward-thinking game because it's doing things in real time, which you're not seeing from many, many other games. And it's it's clever 
um, in its design ethos and, it, and its way that it sort of intrigues and pulls you through. It's you know there's it's really simple representation of steps and doors and it's context sensitive commands mm. are really good. So when you you know you can drop stuff wherever you want and unless you're over it you won't get the pickup command. So there's no, it's not like it, no, you know, that that sort of thing. Whether you're in front of doors, you can close doors on monsters when you're running away from them and they can't open them. That, so, so you can get your, you catch your breath and get your bearings a bit and find a potion. There's loads to like in this. It's great. It's so atmospheric that the music is one of my favorite Hubbard pieces mm. because it adds so much to this game. Um, and to hear you, you know, say that you, you know, hacked away at it, it's really mm. cool sort of thing. I think that's a really good thing. I mean, I never did that, but I think that's really cool. It's just a great. It's a, this is by far and away probably my favorite Mastertronic game, mm. um, and, and that's why I put it here at the end. I'm fed up of ending episodes on downers, um, and so I wanted to like, no, you know what? I'm I'm probably going to hate most of these things. I'm yeah. probably going to hate Basil and Bond and that shit. Yeah, no doubt. But hey ho, I've got Master of Magic to come at the end, and I kind of know I'm going to like that, and I do, and I still do, and I think it's even better. I. Now I've got a bit more experience with making games and can see the sort of nuts and bolts wearing away behind this. Yeah, great stuff. Mm. Love it. Can't, yeah. can't say enough good things about this. No, quite agree. Very quite clever. Agree. Yes, absolutely. Stop to like. You know, like you actually nailed it right at the start there by saying there's not many great Dungeons & Dragons games generally, really, at least not ones that really capture a good essence of it. I mean, I know it's, Dungeons & Dragons is not a game of computers and it is very much a game of imagination and, and dice rolls and all of the stuff that comes with Dungeons & Dragons and I get all of that. But, you know, um, it's not a game you can do justice to in computer format. But this manages to really capture the core parts of what makes a good dungeon crawl, whether it's Dungeons & Dragons or even in this game. What well, makes it interesting and exciting. And, and I really liked it. It's so atmospheric. And I still, even now, when I loaded it up, I was like, you know, I remember why I like this because it was really, really cool. Um, yeah. And I remember liking it when I, it was, it played into exactly everything that I wanted at the time. I wanted to crawl around dungeons. I wanted to find potions and cast spells and kill monsters. And I could do all of those things in this game with, with, with uh, relative ease as I went my way around trying to find the various items. I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I completed it back in the day, but. I think more than Dungeons and Dragons, I think the thing what this is, it's a real time fighting fantasy game. Yes, absolutely. And they're not. They're, I think fighting fantasy. I think fighting fantasy, the the notion that you are the hero. Dungeons and Dragons was always a team based thing, wasn't it? Yes, this absolutely. This is more yeah. obviously single. Fighting fantasy is the individual, and also it says it's a book adventure, and I think that's correct. Mm. Um, and the the I think you know the the. This turn-based, it's kind of weird sort of thing. It's almost real-time turn-based combat, and the fact you've got to keep mm. clicking attack, and yeah. so that that feel that feels like rolling the dice, yeah. You know, and who are to beat who, and, and it, it, yeah. For me, this is just a, a great piece of software yeah. that that I don't know whether it came out in anything else, but I, uh, for uh, this this for me is looking at Richard Darling's list of games. But I, I really like BMX Simulator what he did as well, but I think this is his high point for me. Yeah. Um, by by. By yeah, some he, he it's just a, just a great clever game it is just it really is. clever and a great game to end the podcast on because had it been Basil and Bond <laughs> there might have been trouble, might have been trouble. <laughs> I don't know I'd probably been uh, suffocated in my sleep I think it's a strong <laughs> chance yeah so it's all, it's all good now it's all good now it's all good now we've, we've, uh, we've played yeah. Master of Magic and we do like we that so on that note um, I think yes, Master of Magic. That's a good time to end. That yeah. is a, an excellent game, um, and well, still well worth your time. Go play it, it's Ace. Um, uh, that's that. There you go. That's our games. So we'll move on quickly 
to our last couple of crapverts. What have we got? Uh, we didn't. We covered everything that was in the. Um, uh, it was in the magazine. There's nothing we didn't cover. There's less games. Maybe there's less games coming out, or maybe it's just a bit of a dry period. I don't know. But there's only 14, and we looked at all of them. So that's what you got. Crapverts. We've got a couple more to look at. I picked this one because it's yeah jaunty angular that one isn't it goodness id, id I, I picked yeah. this because of, because of the um, it's a spectrum game but the it's it's everything I don't like in in, in <laughs> sort of hyperbolic <laughs> adverts for that period and it's that writing down the bottom so this is a game called id it's seven ninety five from New Work CRL and it says before the dawn of human history there was id. No, id is part of our psyche, so you can't have id without uh, human history. It is now inside your computer. No. W- what was id? Well, what, what is what, id, isn't it? Yeah, you must find out. The more you teach id, the more id will trust you. Uh, you will discover more of id's awesome secrets as the trust grows, until eventually you may discover yourself. It's meaningless gibberish garbage. nonsense. Are those um, <laughs> lyrics by some prog band or something? <laughs> I is think the, they're very is that well made. Genesis it. lyrics or something, or is that I don't Merillion's latest sounds, song or something? It sounds to me like some pretentious little computer people. Yeah. Before the dawn of human history, there was it. No, there wasn't. Stupid nonsensical garbage. Yeah. And, and so it is advert... it's a, it isn't it is a tangible thing. In this advert, it's a giant tangible concrete statue, so it's not like an invisible <laughs> thing that smashes through through glass ceilings. Yeah. Which has got the sky on it. Well, yeah. And, so then, the st- and, then, the st- and then the stars behind it. Is yeah. it. I don't understand. I don't understand. It's a quite. A, it's quite an arresting image. I don't mind it, but I don't get it. No. I just don't. Well, I don't get what it. What it's. What it is. It's, it's borrowings, but weird borrowings, isn't there? So this came out. Um, it's a bit two thousand AD. It's two thousand. Yeah, it is. It's two thousand. Two thousand and one. There's bits, yeah, bit, bit, sorry. bits of Superman in there, bizarrely, with like the Phantom Zone. Um, <laughs> and then it's yeah, got that is. weird new wave writing at the top, which looks like it's been lifted off a Gary Newman album um, for some reason. So it's just, that seems, it's like the image belies the writing. If they'd have just kept it to that id and just put something like a simple one-liner, you know, something about it? challenge, yeah, or what is it, or something like that, or, you know, or look yeah. out even, really, because it is going to smash your face, <laughs> isn't it? Um, and, and, big concrete id in the I don't face know, I don't know but do you know what if we're going to get all physics on it right, that has smashed through that glass that glass that's coming off there is not the amount of glass that would have come out of there there'd be more there'd be bigger shards <laughs> so they haven't drawn enough glass because it's hard to draw moving glass in it and they got bored but they took the time to put the shadow of a bit of glass on the actual id sort of concrete block bizarrely either that or it's a little chip out of it maybe I don't know maybe it's a chip I don't know but either way they didn't do that consistently of course because they wouldn't do that and the lighting's all wrong for that yeah, so. and I don't like the I don't like the uh, white outline around id no it shouldn't be there it's meant to be a. if it was glowing from the light of the sky it wouldn't be consistent and it would be that image would have a completely black shadow at the bottom of that id because there's be no light at that bit why are we taking yeah. this apart because it's crap and it doesn't mean anything <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just but I do like the I like the kinetic part of the image. I don't like the fact that the sky looks like a lovely peaceful sky. It would have been better if it was like a you know not that anything but that. Take that sky broken sky glass out. Why is it even there? Yeah, it could just be coming from the stars, couldn't it? Yeah, it does. It it, that, that square the square of sky and broken glass doesn't adds nothing. It just adds confusion. No, it would have worked. It seems better. only there to include the Spectrum forty eight K logo bit. Yes, I think so. And there's no mention of it breaking through glass. Anywhere in the advert, so I'm guessing that it doesn't crap. No. Crap's why it's a crap yeah. vert. That's why it's there. That's why it's a crap vert. But it is better than the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that, though. I don't really. 
What an eclectic bunch of... Is that a game called Bongo? Yeah, that's the one I picked it for. <laughs> Do you know, I don't know what I'm impressed by. That's random. I like. I don't know if I like that or Winter Events, where, where the graphics don't fit on the box. But they don't on the bongo, though, do they? You've got to zoom into that bongo one. Who makes a game called Bongo? Oh, goodness me. Is that, a, is that Joan Collins? Somebody like that, I don't is it? No. Avoiding giant rats. So there's, this is a, similar to the one we had at the end of last week. This is multiple games on a single page. It's a C64. It says C64 and plus four comes of age. No, don't think it does. Not in bongo. So we've got three games. We've got Warplay, Bongo, Winter Events. I, I don't know. What's the, uh, the sort of speedboats? image it's best that we never discuss that random image that's there <laughs> just as, it's it out. championship series ultimate in sports simulations i'm guessing that's a sport simulation is it oh no it says at the bottom experience the sheer exhilaration of powerboat racing oh randomly. There we go. It's powerboat racing a, a awesome. complex slalom course rise to the challenge of a ski jump why is that there and to do with winter events and what, I don't know. What winter events are there? Wait, and especially that is like a stormy sea. Like a, that's, a, that's a tsunami that's sweeping <laughs> inland. That's not, no, that's not a race. There's no water in it. A winter events is not a ripoff of winter games at all. No, and it's very suspicious of graphic though, isn't it? I know. That war play, I don't like the uh, slightly weird R in, in war. That's where they slipped, <laughs> you mean, where he was writing when someone yeah. nudged him. Oh, for goodness sake, you made me nudge my ass. But clearly the, the star of this advert is Bongo by Anko, yeah. which shows... So on the right of this, this just says Bongo at the top. Of, there's a bot. There's like a, a graphic of a, a bot. At the top of it, it says Bongo. But then there's real. There's some. There's some giant rats. They're all sort of hornily looking at some woman, and, and I'm talking a real woman. Yeah. In in a long dress with it looks like she's climbing up. What's she's climbing up some scaffolding that's or something a step, or a step ladder. ladder? Is that step ladder? Or a I think. step ladder. Well, these and these rats are three quarters the size of this woman. Yeah, she's tiny. At, or the, they're at the very least. Yeah, it's one or the other. But then there's some screenshots next to it, and it just looks like some rubbish platform game. And on one of them, it just says Bongo. <laughs> hey don't knock that it's, it says there it's got 64 quality graphics and music is that, is that the total amount it's got in it but coming soon in the champion it says right at the bottom coming soon in the championship series tennis chess ice hockey it doesn't make any sense <laughs> does it look what it says about the war game choose your weapons choose your role whose air force will do the victory role well, hopefully yours <laughs> whose Who's commander, commander will, will surrender? surrender not yours why are you asking questions, silly questions about it? If you're playing the game as in war play, you don't want any of those things to be, you know, you want to win and you don't want to surrender. Aerial dogfights, tank battles, an elusive commander. Is that a thing? What does that What does that mean? What does an elusive commander mean? Hard to find, the scene I guess. set for a thrilling contest of skill and strategy. One or two player. <laughs> Tell you what, no player. Let's not ever play that. <laughs> not and ever. It's for the CBM64, though, so we might get to play it. And then, so you've got Bongo, which is this... And that game, the images of the game, which is essentially a platformer by the look of what's on that screen, yeah, does, yeah. it does not shout woman climbing a ladder looking, escaping from rats. And there's only no. five skill levels and six screens, so it's not like it's even going to be a big old game. I suppose it is on the C16 on there, I think. And then to top it all off, winter events. Represent your country in six-star events. In, com- in six-star events competition. Okay. Including biathlon and bobsleigh set against the scenic backdrop. <laughs> Hang on a minute, you missed something there. Bobsleigh is two words. That's oh, a name. That's Bob Slay. Bob Slay. <laughs> yeah, represent your country in six star events competition, including Bath and Bob Slay. 
Set against the scene, <laughs> set against a beautiful scenic backdrop. Just one. We couldn't draw any more. <laughs> well, I don't think it's really going to have any of those things in. And there's no name for that boat game. It's just that's just on there for no reason. It's like someone forgot about that. Oh, we didn't put the name mm. of the boat game on it because it's meant to be. I think it's champion. Is it championship series? No, that's the other one. Oh goodness! I thought it was powerboat racing. It must it's be. Into, it's all. It's all in cap. Where is it? Where is the powerboat racing though? Where's the? It says writing? in the text at the bottom, doesn't it? Ah, although it must be it that. Be, uh, although it could be slalom course because that is also in caps. Yeah, and it's got the experience, the sheer exhilaration of powerboat racing. Hang on, it must then, be it, that. then it says rise to the challenge of a ski jump. That's what I don't get. Three exciting competitive events, none of which you've described that make any sense. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen powerboat racing in a Winter Olympics. I want it now, though. That's for sure. This is Awful. a confusing advert. Yeah, but we've come across Anko before. They're not great we at have. this. They're not Anko great at did, this. Um, didn't Anko do uh, five-a-side football? Yes. No. <laughs> that advert wasn't great. No, and I tell you what, at the top it all off, that eight-bit wire at the top of the advert for the War Games play, the sort of the crappy, blocky version of uh, barbed wire Bar at the top is hilarious. It's just someone just someone just drew that with a with a biro. Just went, oh, bollocks. Just draw, scribble it on with a biro. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. There you go, bloody. There's your barbed wire. Now sod off with your bloody adverts. I've had enough of you. Oh, we've got to put Warplay over it, and now you can barely <laughs> read it. But Warplay's in a different font to the one on the actual case. Look in the completely. background. Look in the background of winter events where you see Bob Slay, the big orange guy, and then behind him there's just a skier with one yeah, leg up in the air, and he's, what's, he's upside down. <laughs> I know. Do, do you know that Bob Slay as well? It looks like somebody who's just like, that looks like someone's head. Just like diving out the side of the case, not a bobsleigh. Looks like someone's <laughs> sort of rocket, rocket, rocket man. Yeah, it's just not ended well, is it? It's like a giant licorice torpedo. <laughs> oh dear, good old Anko. They never fail to impress with nothing, do they? They're absolute rubbish. <laughs> yeah, rubbish, terrible. Rubbish. Oh, there you go. There's your two crap verts. Id, incomprehensible id, and incomprehensible bongo. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bongo. <laughs> bongo. <laughs> hey, I've got a new game. Hey, do you want to come around to my house? What's it called? Bongo. No, you're all right. Thanks. I'll stick to Master um, of Magic. I'm gonna... Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm good. Um, <laughs> there you go. Right, what was going on? <laughs> Bongo. <Jeez>. Bongo. <laughs> what was going on in the charts? According to Commodore User in April 1986, these were the charts. Down to number 10 was Winter Games. Down to number 9 was Commando. Down to number eight was Mercenary. Down to number seven was Coronis Rift. Up to number six was Kane. Mm. Up to number five was Bounder. Ooh. New in was the Eidolon. Mm. New in was Yeah Kung Fu. Eh? Number two, up to number two was Rock and Wrestle. Bah. And straight in at number one, just like Brian Ferry, was Kung Fu Master. Brian Ferry, Kung Fu Master. Is I'd, phrase. I'd love to see him in that. That would oh, be, be great. great. That would be it, great. It hit, it hit him with his floppy, floppy yeah, hair. Yeah, fringe that. attack. Yeah. Diddly, 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 slave to love. Yeah. He would. Okay, so that's it. There you go. That's all she wrote. Games going in. What games we putting in our big old list of games that we probably should always put somewhere on the website, but we never do. Definitely. Master, <laughs> Master of magic. magic. Yeah, Master goes I in think, there. Uh, I think Lore of the West. Yes, Lore of the West, definitely. So I'd put those um, two in. Possibly Phantoms of the Asteroid for a cheapy, cheapy. Mm, yeah, maybe not Zoids. Uh, I didn't like Zoids, but it could be a pick too for you. Esoteric. Yeah, yeah no, I think, I think, and certainly not Rock and Wrestle. I think if we had to no. put three, I think, yeah, probably Phantom of the Asteroid. It pains me that, yeah, Kung Fu is not going in there, but too too problematic uh, great music shame about the game yeah indeed right what we got coming up next week 
stuff we'll be looking at next week. Alter Ego. The classic. Um, it's the gold medal. Yeah, it is indeed. Ark Pandora. Captain Kid. Dot Who in the Minds of Terror. Electroglide. Oh, I've mm. played so much Electroglide. And classic. I knew it was crap. <laughs> it's not. It's crap. But I played <laughs> loads of it. Yeah, classic. <laughs> uh, but we've got Jeff Cape Strongman. Oh, no. Hocus Focus. Not sure what else we've got. Mr. Mephisto. <laughs> Fistin's getting back in there, isn't he? Fisto, Fisto, Mr. Mephisto. Before long, it'll be Fisto's Challenge. Probably. Sci Five. Okay. Uh, that trading company, another one from Accolade. Oh, uh, Silent Super Service. Bowl. Super Bowl Thrust, uh, Silent Service. Yeah, we may look at that because it's a Submarine strategy game. Submarine yeah. Tigers in the Snow, it's Tanks, Trollbound, uh, probably an adventure, an Ultima 4, it's an adventure, mm, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. So probably Alter Ego and stuff. That's quite a biggie. Yeah, we'll absolutely. We'll see how we see how we live our lives now, with 1986 Alter Ego, style. I suppose it will be going to play both male and female versions because you can't download know. them. They were, it, it was impossible to find the female version of Alter Ego when I had a disk drive. It was like rocking horse poop. But now, of course, thanks yeah. to the miracle of the modern internet and the interwebs giveth, you can now land that egg and stick it in your fake disk drive and play it to your heart's content. So definitely worth a worth a, a, a plunge, that one. Yeah, maybe. Don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see, see what we find. We'll see what we do for the next episode. Aye. Uh, that'll be, that's, that's uh, episode, what's that, 25 and 26? It is. Uh, we will be covering the games in May 1986. Where can we find us on the internet? You can find us anywhere you type in Zap to the Past, basically. Twitter, we are at Zap to the. Facebook, Zap to the Past. There's a group and a page. You can go to zappedtothepast.com. You can find and you can email us at zappedtothepast at gmail.com. That's it, isn't it? Or that Instagram. is correct. Instagram is up to the past too. as well. There's always stuff going on. We are we are liking and tweeting. You can come find us. If you want anything to say about this episode, if there's a game we hated, you liked, or you we liked and you hated, let us know. It's good mm. to hear stuff. And we'll give it a shout out or something like that or whatever. That's it. Quick shout out to some things we like. That's Retro Asylum. Go give them a listen. Definitely. <laughs> Hands on gaming. It's very good. Uh, go listen to that. And finally, pop, collaborate and listen, which is always worth a listen. Um, if you like music from the 90s, they're covering every... If you don't know what they are, they cover every number one album from the 1990s that was an original release. They hate most of them. You think we hate stuff. <laughs> yeah, but they hate it with with such flair and vigour. It's, it's invigorating to yeah, listen to. They, they do. Give it a listen. I bet Brian Hav is still crying himself to sleep over their <laughs> takedown of that E17 album. I don't know. I still don't understand how he ran himself over. <laughs> he ran over his own head while eating a baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to do uh, it, do it that way. Mate. <laughs> do it in style. Uh, do it doissimo. <laughs> do it doissimo. Do it with a jacket potato. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Oh, dear. Right, on that note, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Raddings. You have indeed. This has been Zap to the Past, and we'll see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, sights, sounds and news from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at the time. We will be back next week with another podcast, so do please join us. Until then, please head over to zaptothepast.com to sign up to our email list as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You will also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under Zap to the Past. 
The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe and see you next time. <laughs>